This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema, and this is the 100th episode of Movies. What, what a film to cover for the 100th episode of Movies, our first ever 100th episode of Movies. Hans is with me tonight. Hans, how are you doing? Yeah. Hey, hey, good, good. Happy to be recording the only 100th episode that we've ever done. It's, it's going to be quite the time talking about this film... And I, I presume that you did watch the original theatrical release of Justice League as well. Yeah, in the theater. In the theater. Yeah. You showed up opening day like I did. I made that mistake, yeah. Well. Not uh, opening day. Oh, oh sorry. I, I showed up opening day and I never felt more conned in my life. I felt like I paid $70 to watch a YouTube preview of the real movie. I was like, that. that was ridiculous. That's not... That's not the real Justice League, you know? And it, as it turns out, I was correct. That was not the real Justice League. We got a four-hour Justice League today, which you've watched. I've watched it twice. And I also wa- I watched... I've, I've had just a full... <laughs> I've watched 10 hours of Justice League today. Did you know that? Oh, God. I did the Joss God. Whedon one, too, just right before this. So this is officially the 100th episode of Movies, even though we did the gaudy... Which I'll tell you what, after I finished that episode with you, I was like, that sucked for 100th episode. It was... It it was terrible. That felt like a bonus episode. Like an okay bonus episode. We we talked about gaudy, gaudy one and two for maybe about 20 minutes. And then we we pranked Rich Voss and it wasn't even a good prank (laughs) call because I I didn't think of anything to say beforehand because I wasn't expecting him to pick up. I didn't even know you still had the same number after seven years. We tried to stretch it as much as we could, but it was just all over the place. It wasn't focused at all. We, because we were talking about such a who gives a fuck movie that we were done with it 15 to 20 minutes. And then every time we tried to bring it back to the movie, we just had nothing to say. Uh, so it was, yeah, really messy. So this, uh, was really good timing that this came out. Yes, just like Justice League, the 100th episode gets a second chance and maybe yeah. can redeem itself. Maybe this will be a worse episode. I don't know. But I feel like we ran out of steam so quickly. And also, that that gaudy two-part episode was supposed to be three weeks before. So I had watched the gaudy movies maybe like a month earlier. And I was just trying to think of things to say about these TV films, these bad TV films. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're also not good. So it's not like you can remember anything specific that they did properly. It's just uh, any other gangster movie thing. Like nothing special happens in either of them. So it was really difficult trying to come up with points or things to talk about with that horseshit. Right, and they're, and they're also not especially bad either. They're, I mean, the, the 2018 God is bad, but it's not even as bad as people made it out to be. So you can only talk about, yeah. oh yeah, Pitbull on the soundtrack. Yeah, there's stock clearly stock footage that they did not even color grade to match the rest of the movie. The performances are terrible. Yeah, okay, yeah. we got it. We're done in 30 minutes. So this is, this is the official 100th episode. We're going to retcon that to 101. So it's a celebration of 100, officially 100 episodes of movies. <laughs> uh, and then Videodrome, which we've already recorded, that is now 102. And uh, you can get that right now. You can get those two episodes right now. They won't be out for another two weeks. But if you go to patreon.com slash lowres, both are available in video and audio. And we're going to be throwing this up on YouTube for free. This video right here as incentive. So uh, what did you think? Uh, I mean... Here's the deal. If you guys don't watch Civic TV, if you don't really follow a lot of these podcasts, Hans is a, a big-time Zack Snyder contrarian, uh, right. along with Jerry. But Jerry's got a worse attitude about it. Jerry is like full of violent hatred for anything that could be gleaned as positive about Zack Snyder. I said, hey, maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll do chapters for Mass State Lottery. And he said, that's a <laughs> fucking stupid idea. Why would you ever do that? That's the stupidest fucking thing you could ever... Sorry. Sorry, I'm coming yeah. off a little too aggressive here. It's because I, I don't really care about anything that much to get that invested. Uh, and I, I I don't hate Zack Snyder. I just don't think that he's what a lot of you guys think he is. Like, I don't see him as that. I think he's, I think he's very serviceable for what he does. Like, he's good at what he does. But I, I, I don't think his movies have that rewatchability factor, really. Like, if you see... If you see them once, you've seen everything. Uh, even though they're very impressive visually, there's not a lot of story usually that will bring you back to try to discover new things or or anything like that. So I, I'm not a. I see him kind of like a, a Michael Bay, and I before you jump on me as like someone that can direct action uh, and is good at that, but don't go in expecting something that's gonna you know. Leave you thinking about the the movie or the message for for a long time, which I don't mind. Like I don't I don't hate that, but like I just I just think that sometimes he just gets praise that I, I just don't understand. You don't think that he is one of the great philosophers yeah. of of the modern era? No, I, I, I don't. No, <laughs> no. Just the the way he speaks too. Like it's I don't know. It, it has the the what's the Black Swan director thing. Uh, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, where you hear them talk and you're just like, "All oh, right, you, all right, I, yeah." That's he's such a pretentious <laughs> New York City asshole. Yeah, who thinks he's better than? I mean, look, Darren Aronofsky's a very good director. What he's doing nowadays, terrible, unwatchable trash. Uh, yeah. Very, you know, very pretentious stuff that thinks it is smarter than it actually is. And I, I don't see much value in Mother. I don't see much value in Noah. Him tackling Christian properties from, well, I'm a scientist angle and like trying to make that relevant in today's day and age where it just feels inauthentic and try hard. Uh, terrible, terrible stuff. But Zack Snyder, uh, I think, like Michael Bay, has more value than what he's summed up to. Michael Bay is a very funny director, 
Michael Bay is pretty decent with comedy in his movies. And I'm talking, I'm not, you know, Pain and Gain, I think, is maybe the obvious one as far as that goes, where Mark Wahlberg, the, all these people are, you know, fairly amusing in that movie. Uh, but even something like Transformers has pretty decent humor in it. Right. And I remember having a certain notion of what those Transformers movies were beforehand, where I'm thinking, this is stupid. I'm not going to waste my time. And I think I had like, whatever the original Paramount channel was on, you know, it was playing one of those. And I just sat and I kind of watched and I was like, this is, this is, I could actually sit and watch this entire thing. And I did sit and watch that entire yeah. thing. And it wasn't, was it a good movie? No, of course not. But no. as far as these modern blockbusters go, hardly the worst offender. Uh, with somebody like Zack Snyder, I feel like Zack Snyder's actual worth as a director is maybe not in the intellect of the material that he's working with, but rather the style that, I mean, he, he's one of these guys who has pioneered, uh, cer- I think, certain forms of action in the 21st right. century. And there's not many guys that are like that right now. I do think that Michael Bay is maybe someone else like that, where they're maybe too special effects heavy and they get lumped into the same category. Right. But nobody's really doing what Zack Snyder is doing with style. You know, you have the Russo brothers, but they're void of style. Yeah, it's not someone that you can recognize. If you if you watch a frame of a Zack Snyder movie, you know exactly who the movie is, who the director is, not who the movie is. Uh, the Rus- mm-hmm. uh, Russo brothers, it just looks like an action movie. It's just it doesn't really have anything special that you would say, oh, that's a Ru- Russo. However you say their fucking name, <laughs> brothers movie. But with Zack Snyder, he has a very distinctive visual style and... The motives that he uses in his movies uh, are very him. You know what I mean? Like the something, motifs, yeah. Something like Superman and the like the the symbols that he decides to to choose or like that that he uh, highlights. Like a cross, like a like a good Christian cross. Yeah, well, that and and then you have something like Sucker Punch, which is not good, but visually there's a lot of really strong things in it and. Uh, a lot of um, detail that you see that you can tell that he is very meticulous with the details of the things he does. Um, I, uh, I, I, I like. I, I was gonna compare him to maybe. No, I was gonna say Kubrick. Stanley maybe Kubrick. Not. <laughs> no! yes, but All right, on. let's just hold, hold on. on. No, somebody, no. somebody who's watching this, clip this. I wish this was Twitch. <laughs> no, but what I mean is that it, you can tell that it's someone that thinks of the frames and thinks exactly what he wants to show in them. Uh, so e- even though you might only see, the, uh, let's say, 30 seconds of one of his movies, you know exactly who's directing it by just the way that he shoots things and the way that they look. So yeah. even just having that distinctive style, I think, puts him above a lot of other directors that, you know, maybe the dialogue is a thing that you recognize or maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, a type of shot that they use, but it's not something that, in every scene, you know exactly who's directing it. Right. And I i mean, here's the thing. Like we were just saying, you know, I, I'm not going to speak to the intellect of the, the creative property itself, but he's clearly a guy who gives a shit about his directing and what the thing looks like. And so, you know, for a lot of people to, I mean, and especially back in 2015, 2016, 2017, the Collider, the now dead Collider crew, who's like, oh, no, this thing isn't, who cares about this? It wasn't going to be good anyway. It doesn't oh, exist. That's over my head. 
I don't know. Well, okay, well, I, I was I was still in like definite like seven out of ten nerd mode back then. I would I would hate watch a lot of this shit. I was starting to turn and be disgusted with them, but I would still tune into it for certain news because I like Wait. Zack Snyder. I like Ben Affleck. I'm yeah. I'm trying to keep keep up to date with the information. Are those the guys that the that's some red letter media made fun of of a video? Yeah, so they got angry. Where they, they get angry, angry and released their rebuttal Wars. video. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Ugh, oof, okay. Th there's this awful, <laughs> awful man named Christian Harloff who got like really angry about it and released a video criticizing them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he just did not handle that very well yeah. at all. He didn't like the nerd crew. He didn't like any anything like that. So, it was too um, accurate. It was too close to home. He didn't he yeah. want to be mocked. It was too close to what he was actually doing. And I, I wasn't aware of who he was at all. But then I started, like, I, I saw the original video and I was like, what the, what the, he's just an adult man that gets this angry about that, like that. But Correct. Again, I'm, I'm just not uh, aware or familiar with that type of content or wasn't when that was, I guess, booming or whatever the fuck. So... It's just that amazing. that type of that type of movie reviewer journalist person who's been you know groomed by the likes of Warner Brothers and Disney to give their films good reviews. They send them gift baskets. They invite them to premieres. I mean, we're talking about like a post "Ain't It Cool" news era of journalists where they really feel like they have power to determine the narrative. And these are unprofessional people. By the way, that, you know, we're not talking about Woodward and Bernstein or Roger Ebert and Siskel. You know, <laughs> these are just nobodies who would have been sitting around playing with toys at age thirty-three years of age, and, and uh, you know, they would have been nobodies if not, you know, for the fact that they moved to Los Angeles, met the right people, and then got roped into a YouTube channel. So they have all this, this not real authority, but well, they have some sort of sense of power. And one of the, go ahead, you sorry, go ahead. sorry, sorry. It's because if we move on, I'm going to forget. I think that they, I know that. That's why I'm like. <laughs> they also came out at a perfect time where that type of content didn't really exist, unless right. you went to a mainstream channel. But then they wouldn't go as in deep as them, or you wouldn't have a dork or a huge nerd like them giving the news so that was very new and very much like oh well different i guess a different way of getting that type of content so uh since there was no many people doing that you didn't really need to be that interesting or have that great of a personality as long as you were what the one out of ten people that were doing it correct yeah i mean the 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 real people that were kind of uh you know big figures as far as that circle goes were john schnepp and he did a pretty good documentary on Superman Lives, the Kevin Smith, Tim Burton, Dead oh, Superman yeah. Project. That's that That's still worth a watch. I think that's an interesting documentary. And uh, John Campia, who was just an obnoxious asshole who was wrong about everything and humiliated himself and had to be forced out of his own company, which I think was Collider at the time. He was like the main guy there. And they had to push him out. And, you know, he's just been flailing ever since. And all these people were like, no... There's no Snyder cut. Stop. Stop with this narrative. For whatever, it, it, it was just around that time where things were becoming unnecessarily polarized. Pol yeah, polarized in, in like a similar way that politics were. Where it's like, well, if you if you don't like Marvel, you know, then that means you're like a Trump guy. Or if you like yeah. Zack Snyder, you're a Trump. You know, just that weird vibe where it's like we have column A right here, and then column B is also this, and it kind of lines up with everything else that that fits into that something like that where there's that underlying tone to it where these people are meant to be dismissed and we have the real say about what 
is happening here. But then there's also that division between the group that supported the movie or was the DC side because it was the, the division between the people who liked the Joss Whedon one and the people that were waiting for the Zack Snyder or wanted the Zack Snyder one because there were still people that still liked it for whatever reason, you know, that were supportive and were like, we got this and this is good. You know, it might not be great. It might not be what Zack Snyder gave us, but it's better than nothing. So there was that also dividing that that one side of like DC fans, I guess, that not following the, the MCU uh, thing right they were so concerned with meeting that mcu template that that's ultimately why they brought in joss Whedon, and also why james gunn got hired for suicide squad like th these people were proven to not really know what to do with any of these major properties and that is why the whole thing has been a mess and so you have justice league come out and you know people are are going back and forth you have the Zack snyder diehards yeah. who are like no, no 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 there's actually a real version of this and it turns out, obviously, there is a real version of that that was incomplete. I, I saw some... Back in 2017, after the theatrical cut of Justice League came out, uh, I was given a Google Drive folder with a bunch of deleted scenes from the movie that are featured in this director's cut. And uh, it definitely seemed like there was a lot more to it that was not included. And also, just watching the theatrical cut that Joss Whedon had helmed in the theater, it was like, nothing about this feels like Zack Snyder. This feels like punchy Marvel dialogue that you would get from an Avengers movie, which is exactly the case. And now, having just rewatched most of Joss Whedon's uh, Justice League, it's, it's insane how completely different these two movies are in almost every single way. There's maybe, <laughs> from my calculation, like 30% of footage in that theatrical cut that is also in the, in the yeah. director's cut and is like the same dialogue and everything else. Do you ever watch it at regular speed? Yes. Just Whedon? Okay. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Because I, I, I'm not exaggerating. It's been 10 hours of Justice League on my television. <laughs> I've only seen it once, that Justice League one, because why would I watch it more than once? So I, when I started watching the Zack Snyder one, I didn't exactly remember what the order of things was in the Just Whedon one because it starts completely different. Uh, in this one, there's a, you know, it gives you time to introduce the, the characters and it gives you a little bit of time to get to know them before we jump into the action. And then when you go to the Joss Whedon one, it, it's, it goes straight into the Wonder Woman thing, I believe, right at the beginning, right? Uh, well, they show you they show you Superman on a little cell phone camera where there's some kids off screen oh, talking yes, to him right. and his face is a disgusting mess. And then you have Batman, actually. And this scene is not in the director's cut. And Batman is using a criminal as bait, and there's a lot of exposition with the criminals. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, so you have one of those. Best. The, yeah. It yeah. was terrible. It was really awful. And the fact that he got Danny Elfman to score that scene, who did like the Burton Batman film, it, humiliating. Terrible. Pure you, had, you, had the, you had the fly monster things without mm -hmm. any introduction or anything. They're just there, and they're looking for a box. Right. For whatever reason, that we know nothing. Uh, and he's jumping straight into a story that has already started, but we, we don't know what's going on. Correct. It's all snappy dialogue that is not Batman-esque whatsoever. He's talking to the criminal who he's holding over the side of the building. The parademon flies up. Batman just acts like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. You know, which, okay. But, like, yeah. yeah I Like, I get it. It's Batman. You know, yes, there, there's monsters in Batman's world or whatever. We haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, and then the, the criminal's like, oh, 
Is that a bug from outer space? They must be coming here because Superman's dead, right? And it's, oh. it's just like a lot of shit like that, just like filling exposition. in the gaps ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of really <laughs> poorly ham-fisted exposition. It is so dreadful. This Joss Whedon, I mean, it made me hate it even more. I was just, oof. But so, I, I think yeah. after, after seeing the Zack Snyder one, you can see why it's so bad. Uh, they Because as much as I, I do think that it improves it a lot, I still don't think it's great. I still think that the same issues, well, maybe not the same ones, but a lot of the same issues are still there uh, that I have with, I'll expand it a little bit, but um, you can tell that they, whatever they had, they just gave it to Joss Whedon and said, all right, figure out how to make sense out of this because it doesn't. And it's just, um, it, it feels like it too, where it's just seen, 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 nothing is connected, but Character we recognize, character we recognize, character we recognize. They never interact. And then when they interact, they interact, they interact for two or three minutes. And now they're in. And now we're a team. And now we're going to fight this monster. And now Superman's dead. But we revive him. And now he's gone. And now he's back. And we punch the thing and it's done. Uh, so there's there's no time for anything to breathe. And every interaction feels really forced for that same reason. Because we don't know who these characters are. The introductions that we've had to Cyborg, to Flash... And even to Aquaman at this point, I think, we're very much, you know, a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, if that. So these characters just jump in and they interact trying to show you their uh, non-established personality that they already have that's been established for their character, but not for the movie. So whenever they interact with each other, it feels kind of natural, but at the same time uncomfortable because we've never seen them interact with each other. So it's just a, just a pile on of shit on top of each other, trying to get something out of it. And then at the end, you're just like, what, what the fuck did I just... Is this a like a two-hour trailer for a movie that we never got? Because it never, it never really gets to anything exciting. It never feels like anything is resolved. And then uh, the solution of the Superman thing, where he just shows up and he's like, just punching, like very, like, poop, very whatever. And then it ends. Uh, when you see Snyder's, um, there's a lot of time for the story to breathe and for the characters to show themselves a little bit for you to care if that's what you want to do, you know? Uh, and it, I, I don't want to say I felt bad for Joe Sweden because I didn't. Uh, I'm sure he got paid handsomely and even though he ruined this until this was fixed, uh, I'm sure the, that it, it was fun trying to come up with something that worked, but that's just a complete failure in every step of the way. And rewatching it, even though I didn't rewatch the whole thing, uh, after watching this, uh, just makes it even more evident. You know? Yeah, yeah. To what you were saying before, there's a lot of scenes with Batman and Alfred being like, so here's Aquaman. What is he known for? And then Alfred fills him in. And then you have the same thing with The Flash and with Wonder Woman. And, you know, also the characterization of these of these heroes is completely separate of what we see in Zack Snyder's Justice League, where it feels like Joss Whedon kind of has some weird secret motivation to make Ben Affleck look like a dick, and uh, yeah. like he's such a he, he's such an asshole in this Joss Whedon cut of Justice League for no reason. It makes no sense at all. Yeah. He's kind of like uh, just a grumpy old yes. man for no reason. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, by the end of Batman vs Superman, he's supposed to have come out of that. 
And, uh, you know, that's not what you get. I wouldn't even say it's grumpy old man because then, like, that still fits the character. It feels like Joss Whedon's thinking to himself, what was Ben Affleck like in 1997? Let's bring that back. There's a story about uh, Ben Affleck during one of the Kevin Smith movies, maybe Chasing, Chasing Amy or somebody, where somebody from Jackass was working as a PA on that, on that film. And they were trying to talk to Ben Affleck, and he was just throwing M&Ms <laughs> at some guy's face the entire time, like right in front of a girl or whatever who was on the set. And the guy's just standing there because he's like a nobody or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, he said, he said, he said, he said jock from Boston in the night. Right. Right. So what, that's what you expect. He's the, that stereotype from every movie from the nineties where he's just like a dick that's good looking and gets away with it because he's big and good looking and that's it. And it worked for him. I don't think he can do that now, but it worked for him at that time when, you know, in the nineties where you could do that shit and it was fine. Right. I, I, I can definitely say that I, you know, this, this had to have been Joss's doing. You know, to to make him that type of Bruce Wayne, uh, and then you have the Ezra Miller character, who is much more of a star in the Joss Whedon one, and he is probably the worst aspect of either one of these. I find him insufferable. He's annoying. He's got more like really poorly improvised lines in the Joss Whedon cut, where he's talking about brunch or something, and it doesn't work at all. Just you know, uh, uh, he's sputtering for you know minutes, and it's it's just bad. It's really bad. The humor in it. Awful. It all feels like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and also, the, the Steppenwolf design and character, this might be the biggest improvement, because I don't even think that Cyborg is that good in the director's cut of uh, Justice League. I know you were complaining he was, like, whining or something. I completely agree with that. Yeah. I think that character, you know, I, I, I understand his purpose and his function in the story, especially as somebody who is maybe, uh, you know, not given enough screen time in general throughout the, the series of films. But... Does it add much? No. And it kind of feels like it takes away from Batman character and also the Superman yep. character. Yeah. So you have you yeah. have a lot of cyborg and then you have like the all-star superheroes and they you don't really get too no. much out of that over four no. hours. So um, just to what I was saying before, though, this Ezra Miller character is relied on for so much humor mm-hmm. and it just does not work whatsoever. Uh, the Wonder Woman character is made to look dumb and kind of pointless at times, which is confusing. And uh, also, he's he's pervy. There's a lot of pervy scenes in the Joss Whedon one where the Flash is laying on top of Wonder Woman. Like, that was not in there. I don't and, remember uh, that. Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf has weird lines like, you're going to love me. You're going you're gonna <laughs> to suck my dick. You know, he's saying stuff like that. It's like... What? Joss Whedon? You put this in here? That list. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's jerking off into plants. He's, he's uh, making them watch. He's holding he's himself in front of the door so they can't showers. get out. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, but no, no, to, to, I was talking about Steppenwolf before. Steppenwolf feels like a much more developed character in this Zack Snyder one. He doesn't feel like some redundant. Uh, random CG bad guy, even though, I mean, he kind of is, and he is in the comic books as well. Uh, In the Joss Whedon one, he's got a face like a Buffy or Angel bad guy, too. The the design is so much worse. Even though it's more human, it looks more artificial. There's less, you know, expression going on. You see some of the close-ups of Steppenwolf in this version, and yeah, you know, it, it all looks CG. It all looks fake. But you at least have, like, some real depth 
to the characters' facial expressions, which is much more than you can say about anything that was arrived in, in theaters in 2017. Yeah, also, there's not much of a purpose uh, on the Joss Whedon one. He just shows up and he wants the three, what do you call them, the Tesseracts. Uh, the, yes, to, the, tesser, the Dragon Balls. He's trying he to wants the three Dragon, Dragon balls. balls because he wants to take over the world or... I don't even remember if that It's all the same plot in all of these all of these intergalactic global conflict it's all the same thing they got to collect the thing before the aliens collect the thing. But in Whedon's the dark side is not included, right? I don't remember. No, 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 no. It's just so that- they make Steppenwolf the dark side character and it's like they they again, more exposition, they give you a chopped up version of the big battle that's in this movie between yeah. uh, the Atlanteans and the Wonder Woman people and the whatever Green Lantern shows up, he doesn't get his hand cut off, he just gets stabbed or something. And then you have the really bad uh not finished CG choppy Steppenwolf who is taking the place of dark side. The motions are all clunky. It's it's bad. And it's just, again, generic plot. He showed up on Earth one day, and then he left because he got so embarrassed yeah. he lost. <laughs> and you don't really cool. give him a reason other than, well, they beat me once, so I have to go back and get revenge. In this one, in the Zack Snyder one, you at least give him not, you know, not much of a backstory because why would you? But at least you give him a purpose of, you know, I want to impress... Uh, uh, dark side and i want to you know make make it make myself worthy of his respect or whatever as shallow as that is is way more than what we got from him on just whedon so at least there's a reason for him to be evil in the just whedon one it feels like he just shows up and he's like hey i'm evil guy and i'm gonna be evil because i'm evil you know there's n- mm. no reason for you to give a fuck you know no reason for you to care or even think okay if there's a, a, a side that I can take where maybe this villain has a point, like with Thanos, for example, where, you know, his reasoning was kind of like, well, like it kind of makes sense because people are starving to death or whatever. But, you know, there's a reasoning there with the Just Whedon one. It was just, I'm evil and I'm here to be evil and I'm powerful, I guess, until Superman shows up and beats the fuck out of me. So having him be the main powerful guy and then be beaten so easily. That's another also dry hand job too, because it's like we just spent the whole movie with this character, and then he just gets eliminated very quickly by Superman. Uh, so yeah, having Darkseid or someone more powerful than him being the real threat makes him feel uh, maybe not not more threatening because he doesn't, but at least there's a reason for him to be there, and it gives it an opening for you know even though the setup for the next movie it's it's pretty much on the pro- prologue uh, or no is that that's what it's called, right? yeah no the, the epilogue the epilogue the epilogue yeah um th- there's a re at least a reason for them to get back together which is you know dark is gonna want to get the planet because this is the planet the only planet that has beaten him so the seats are there with just whedon's movie they defeat him and cool great yeah we did it all right awesome (laughs) there's not there's not even there's not even the idea that they're going to grow the justice league out at all in in the joss whedon one it's just now what do we do ah we're all friends so things are there's not a promise of what's to come and that's how steppenwolf i think works in this movie and why he doesn't work in that film is because if it's just steppenwolf like what you're saying then who gives a shit he's not even an impressive uh dc villain that they could have pulled. You could you, you could throw anybody in there, and it, 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 you know if you had the Riddler 
for, for whatever reason, he's taking on the Justice League. If he has no motive, if he's just bad, that's going to be a little bit more compelling because you know the Riddler. It's a name. Steppenwolf yeah. is a D-list villain. So he works as the henchman, as like the, the failed guy who's supposed to handle the job. He's trying to impress Darkseid. The other guy is like, nah, he's, he sucks. You shouldn't do that. And he's like, I told you he sucks. He blew it. Yeah, and Darkseid's yeah. like, yeah, I guess so. I guess I fucked up there, huh? But also, um, so also I, you don't really see him be that evil. You see him beat up some Atlanteans, and he beats up some of the warrior women, but none of them is the main one. So it's not like he beats up Aquaman, you know, so you, so you can compare to the powers of our heroes who are supposed to be the strongest, right? He's just beating minions. So it's not impressive. And, and then it's not really that threatening. When they fight him, and yeah, you can see that he's, overpowering some of them cyborg still gives him a couple so you can tell that you know this guy is not really that powerful and as soon as superman shows up is done so having him be the main villain in a movie where we're supposed to be reuniting or uniting the most powerful heroes of the world never made sense and it leaves you with a very that's it feeling yeah. uh with this other one uh, I, I don't know i i that's that's one of the things that I had a, a problem with. I don't think the story really like it's still kind of whatever, you know. I do like that we get to know the characters more, and as much as I I hate a lot of very Zack Snydery moments where he just goes way too cheesy, like <laughs> the Flash's little inner monologue that he has to add in slow motion, where he just goes, "Dad." I am one of them. I did it. Or something like that. And he's just like going slow. And I'm just like, ah. that's it's very sucks neither though. Like you expect those type of moments. But that didn't bother me as much as Joss Whedon trying to shove jokes in where they didn't fit. And So what, you, what, you're, what you're hitting on right now is what I view as two ends of uh, opposing spectrums where you have the maybe security to a fault to go super earnest yeah. and have those moments and they're not always going to work and maybe they they might not work most of the time <laughs> and then you have the oh well none of this really matters let's just make jokes you know um and they couldn't be too dissimilar from one another the, these two filmmakers joss whedon and Zack snyder so to have him fill in is just i mean that that was the biggest mistake and i think they knew exactly that they had failed with this movie which is why again you have batman and superman and wonder woman the, all these characters together on screen should be the biggest movie of all time right and the extent of the advertising was like a bus stop poster there was a bus stop poster somewhere on the outskirts of la and that's how they were advertising it i i don't know if this was a flop it might have i i mean it might have made its money back but not you know made a big significant profit um, not a good poster and, too. I don't know if you remember. It was really boring. It was just them standing. Remember with like was, a light from yeah, top Queen. From the top. Yeah, it was the Queen it, album it, cover. Yeah, it was terrible. And they didn't even have. Here's the thing too. They didn't put Superman in any of the trailers because they're in this awkward position where they're like, Superman's gonna come back. It's just, you know, Justice League is nothing without Superman. But we can't say that because yeah. he's dead. You know. So it's just. But we all know we, what's yeah. gonna happen here. So what's what's the point? Um, they failed on that end, and it just seemed like it was dead on arrival. There was no aspect uh, of enthusiasm surrounding that film. And then you have this movie, 
where it seems like it's the exact opposite. Maybe that's because we went a year without any real new movies. Mm -hmm. Maybe that plays a part. The fact that we don't have too many comic book films being released. Yeah. And this is such a unique instance where a filmmaker was able to release his version. I mean, we had the Richard Lester cut of Superman 2 back in the 80s. And then Richard Donner... Or is it is it Richard Lester? I don't know. It's don't something know. Lester. The Lester cut was the official Superman two released in nineteen seventy eight or nineteen eighty. One of those time periods. I don't know. And then uh, eventually, in like two thousand six or two thousand seven, they released the Richard Donner cut, which restored the Marlon Brando footage in that film. It was a, a totally different movie. Richard Donner got fired off Superman two midway through because they lost confidence in him, and uh, that's when they brought in a new director. So th there there is a, a small precedent, but not to the extent of something this big, where you wind up getting a completely different film and one that is double the length of what had come before it. Yeah. And even with, within that two hours that might have been matched beforehand, there's still very little overlap between these two things. Um, and I, I have to say, uh, you know, I've been looking forward to this movie for quite some time. <laughs> I feel like it did nail the landing, and what Zack Snyder did in Four Hours of Justice League was probably equivalent... <laughs> to what Marvel tried to do over six or seven films leading up to their first Avengers movie. I think he got that in one go for this movie. Even if we if we put aside Batman versus Superman, right? Everybody's, everybody's aware of those characters. You have these nobody characters like Cyborg and I guess the Flash in this category uh, introduced and I think established well enough, even if maybe they're not the best heroes or, or even particularly amusing or entertaining for the duration of their screen time, which I don't think that they are. No. Um, I still think we get a good vibe of who they are within this story and also in this universe. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's my biggest problem. Those two, those two characters. Uh, I, I also feel like Aquaman is just a backseat uh, driver, not, not a driver, just a passenger too. Like, I don't think he does mm -hmm. enough with him. I don't know what else you could do with that character because I, I am not very familiar with Aquaman other than making fun of it because of how simple it seems to be. I think it's really funny that he has an ocean in his little, what do you call it? The pitchfork or whatever. The trident. Yeah. Because, yeah, because whenever he hits it or whatever, there's an ocean that comes out of it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but I think that you could have done a lot more with that character that he ends up doing here. Kind of feels like a he takes a, a big uh, backseat. Uh, same with Batman. That's that's one of the things that I didn't like about the Zack Snyder one. I I liked Ben Affleck in it a lot, lot more, like a lot more uh, as Bruce, even as just Bruce Wayne. Um, like you said in, in the Just Whedon one, he just feels like a miserable prick. And even as Bruce Wayne, he's supposed to be charming. He's supposed to be this guy that people likes, even if he's you know maybe not in the greatest mood or whatever. He's still charismatic and he's still the character that you know he's selling himself to everyone else. And they just wouldn't want, he's just a miserable prick. Uh, very quippy for whatever reason uh, that it doesn't yeah. work at all. Um, in this one, <clears throat> he's a lot more interesting, I, I think. Uh, he, he, he gives time for the character to breathe, but at the same time, I feel like when, when it came to the fight or like the final confrontation or whatever, he just popped in at moments. So he wasn't really part of the fight. He just shows up and he helps. And then he pops in over here and he helps again. So he's not a main player. Uh, and I feel like that could have been expanded a little bit more just because that might be the best character of the bunch, the Batman character. Yeah. Um, 
Wonder Woman works a lot better, like you said, because she's not stupid in this one and she's not annoying in this one. And well, uh, th- this is something I want to talk about too. Is yeah. it seems like Patty Jenkins does not have like a good grasp on Wonder. Like somehow Zack Snyder nails Wonder Woman much better than Patty Jenkins. Yeah, and it really makes you think that you know I was joking before about how you know he was the producer on the first Wonder Woman, but I really think everything that was worthwhile in that movie was Zack Snyder. Maybe yeah, because as soon as you see that she has full creative control, she sucks. She's a fucking <laughs> awful, awful cre- decision maker as far as creative goes yeah like even as far as bat uh, you know the batman versus superman uh movie was supposed to have a picture of wonder woman with like a bunch of heads that she's holding up or whatever you know because she's an amazonian warrior she decapitated some people and patty jenkins sees that and goes that's gross i don't want that (laughs) and so they just instead they throw in like a publicity still from the wonder woman movie with chris pine and uh what's his name from train spotting you know, it and it looks like a publicity still. Like the cast is just like smiling oh. together, shoulder to shoulder. When it was like a kind of neat Zack Snydery nineteen twenties. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. image. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's like the most evident display of Patty Jenkins not being very good with any sort of taste. Um, but yeah, Wonder Woman in this movie feels like a good functional character. She she feels more in tone with. The Wonder Woman, the first movie, and also Batman vs Superman. Uh, before we go, get to Wonder Woman eighty four, where she's just a cartoon. Well, she's part of the team, which is right. not what she is in Joss Whedon's movie, where she tries to be more than everyone else. I guess her attitude feels very much like I had to stand up. In this one, she feels like she's another one of them, so it works just like the other ones work as part of a team that are trying to fight these things that's stronger than all of them by themselves. So it works a lot better. It's a lot more reserved, which I think works with the Wonder Woman character. That's another character that I don't, I don't really need to uh, have her be quippy or have very quirky dialogue or like snippy at other characters and try to be funny because I, like I no, that's not who. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is they all become the same voice, right? It's the Aaron Sorkin thing where all the characters talk in the exact same manner. And with Aaron Sorkin, people don't mind. And with Joss Whedon, people didn't mind for a while um, until the tide turned. Now that does not work for characters like Wonder Woman and Bat who are so defined in their personality (laughs) traits. Maybe if you had Adam West, you know, and you were doing Linda Carter and Christopher Reeve, maybe, maybe then. But I mean, these people couldn't be more different from one another. You have Ben Affleck and Ezra Miller talking the exact same. Why? Why? It's just lazy. It's very lazy writing. Um, What was something that you thought was an improvement with this director's cut? Well, definitely the look of it. Uh, it's, it's not red. The, yeah, the, that PlayStation One feel uh, that the Just Wooden one has, it's gone, and it's so much better from it. Uh, it's not as muddy. So just visually speaking, it's a lot better. Even though I'm not sure about the decision of keeping it as close to four three as possible, uh, I I kind of wish I had seen more of the sides of the images mm-hmm. at times, especially with the battle scenes where it seems like they put a lot of effort to make them look good. Uh, that felt a little restrictive at, at times and it just felt like an odd choice. I kind of felt like I was watching a, like an illegal copy, like a cam copy at times because I was like, I feel like something is missing. Like I'm, I'm used to this other format. So now 
something as big as this kind of feels like it should be bigger. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's an improvement in every aspect of it. Uh, I, mostly because I don't think the Joss Whedon movie works in any way. And I honestly didn't know where they could have gone from there, especially after what happened with that Wonder Woman movie. Uh, where that one also does not fit in any universe that they might have tried to create before it because it's completely different tonally and just everything. Uh, with this one, after this Zack Snyder uh, Justice League, it feels like he might have saved that, you know? It feels like, well, now interest is high and people are reviewing it in a, in a more positive way than uh, the original release because it works a lot better. And even though, I, again, I, I don't think it's great, I don't think it's something that you can recommend to anyone, one, because of the length of it, uh, and two, because I just don't think that this story is that interesting. Uh, but if you like this type of thing and if you're just interested in, in just, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and I think you have, you have to be realistic when you come to watch this type of thing and just realize that, you know, you're watching a superhero movie. I know that from, what, 20 years back until now, we've been convinced that these movies are supposed to be deep and there's always subtext and there's always trying to tell us or teach us something. But at the end of the day, it's still grown men in underwear fighting each other. So if you come at this movie with that mentality of like, I'm just going to enjoy this and have fun with whatever it is that this guy's going to show me because it looks good. So at least visually you have that. And then, you know, he did a, a good job, I think with uh, introducing the characters and the way they interact with them. And it just feels like the story breathes well. And as much as, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, the ending, I, uh, uh, the, the Martian Manhunter thing, that was that felt to me like the the robin oh john yeah i was thinking that as well i i I really did have that thought uh when i watched it again today because i i watched the leak copy that you also watched and then i watched it on hbo max i'll tell you there, there was a significant difference in the in the quality of the backgrounds and the cg where I messaged you this myself where during that battle yeah. sequence, I was like, this guy's why would, why would you not just cast a person here? This is, this is a CG mm -hmm. man. And then I see it in 4k. And it's like, no, no, that was actually, that was a real guy. So that just goes to show the quality of that. And I thought it looked good for 720p to be honest with you. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But in 4k, you can clearly make everything out and it really does improve the special effects and the, the green screen backgrounds that looked a little more obvious with the lower quality video. Um, yeah, I'll I'll also say you know the the thing about the costumes like where you, where you get to the nightmare sequence that that Batman cowl was looking kind of baggy on Ben Affleck's face, <laughs> just kind of hanging off his face like they only did one take that day like he yeah. just wasn't vibing yeah, right, it, right. Uh, like his nose was not even lined up with the yeah. anyway, um, like he's been through a fight and it's just not arranged properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um, that scene, that scene with Martian Manhunter, I, un I understand that he wanted to maybe introduce the character, but he, I don't think it fit with the rest of the movie in a way that he introduced the other characters because this guy just showed up after Ben Affleck has a nightmare, right? And then he, he shows up and he's like, hey, what's up? He has nothing to do with the actual plot. <laughs> he, he has one scene... <laughs> right yeah which and i'll tell you what the entire last 20 minutes of this movie feels like Zack snyder and ben affleck and jared leto and 
that guy, whatever that <laughs> actor's name is, being like, "We're not getting another one of these. Let's just let's just do this because we're not going to get a second film to set this up, even if it even if it's just like a cliffhanger or whatever. It doesn't matter. Let's let's fucking do use what we have." Um, yeah. And so that's why you get Martian Manhunter. I I was under the impression we we're going to get like a Green Lantern to pop up. I know he was thinking about throwing in Ryan Reynolds for a minute and probably something didn't work out there. Uh, that would have been, I'm good without that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. That's, that's okay. But to my point, what I meant with that comparison was that one of the things that bothers me the most about that dark Knight rises movie is that when the Joseph Gordon Levitt character goes to get a bag that Bruce has left for him, uh, the person says, oh, you should go by your real name, Robin. <laughs> Robin, yeah. Which I mean, and I understand what he was trying to do because it, it makes sense that, you know, someone is taking the mantle after Batman because Batman is retired. But there is a Robin that becomes Batman in the comics. So you could have used, used that name. His real name, like she said, hey, your first, I think she said first name or she real name, something like that. And then she just says Robin with no last name, which makes no sense. No, when he's yeah, fighting uh, crime, he's going to use his real legal name. Then, don't yeah, you know yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. No, Superman. It's fucking Marcos. Uh, so, <laughs> so he grabs the bag and then he goes, and we're supposed to understand that he's going to be the new Batman or whatever. There's a, a, a Robin that becomes Batman, or maybe more than one that becomes Batman. So if you had just used the real name, maybe everyone wouldn't have gotten it because not everyone knows the name of the Robins, but. At least they would say, oh, who's this guy? And then I'll go look for it. And, oh, fuck, that makes sense. That's cool. Instead, you get a, oh, cool. Wait, that doesn't make any you're, sense. You're, you're satisfying the 60-year-old in the audience. Who yeah. goes, Robin. Robin, oh. From, oh. The, from the 60s show? From the from the one ABC? Robin? Yeah. Bert, they're going to bring Burt like, Ward out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that bothered me. And in this one, when Martian Manhunter shows up, he says, I go by a lot of names. So I assume that he was going to say the name that everyone knows, which is, what is it? What's the name? You it's, know the name. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Rocco he says Martin, Martian Manhunter, doesn't he? Yeah, but he says, yeah. So he says that name and he's like, oh, I mean, you didn't have to spell it all out. You, he could have used it. He's not like he says, hi, I am Batman. No, he's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he's not even wearing the costume, right? Do they even so need that, to say that, the names? I mean, I, look, no. I, this was a criticism with Man of Steel where they were like, they didn't call him Superman. What? What? Why wouldn't they call him Superman? It's like, you know he's Superman, though. He's got the ass on it. Like, you don't need to... It's so awkward whenever character names are addressed in anything visual because nobody actually talks like that. Unless, like, maybe you're in a big group or something. If, they're, if like, the Justice League is sitting around a table and they're like, oh, hey, Aquaman... Which even sounds weird. You, say, you, you would use his real name. Why are you calling me Aquaman? You know, you know my well, name. That's is something Arthur. that that's something that we talked about when it comes to bad dialogue writing, yeah. right? Where it's like it's just you and me, but I'm gonna use your name when I'm talking to you, which makes no sense in real conversation. So that also kind of that that kind of left me with a uh, like you. This could have worked so much better without that. Don't say your name. Just go. You know, it's an introduction introduction to the character that feels forced because there's nothing there like he just pops up randomly after a nightmare and ben affleck is like oh i'm a little sad i'm gonna go look out outside and uh, this pretty thing or whatever and he shows up and he's martian like, hanging out on your on your yeah, balcony on it's your like deck. 
he's like, hey, what's up? I've been watching you guys. Uh, my mm-hmm. name is this. All right, peace. And then he goes. Um, that 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 was part of the of the epilogue that I, I felt it was unnecessary, and I wish he had introduced that character differently. Uh, I feel like the scene with the building that was a missed opportunity because you could have set up something more maybe there. You know, when they're finding the building and he's mentioning the table and it's going to have six chairs yeah. or maybe four chairs, maybe there. We inter- we're introduced to this character who, I don't know, uh, he's disguised as someone, as the security guard of the building or something, and then he transforms. You don't have to spell it out. Uh, and I feel like this is the one time where he spelled it out for everyone in the movie. Everything else per- felt very natural, the way that he was revealing yeah. the characters were. And in this one, it was kind of like, fuck we have 30 seconds what do we do ah his name blah and that's it and he goes and and, and you know so okay I, don't know what I i completely agree with you and I, again the reason why i feel like this was especially an afterthought um is because that character doesn't serve a function at all he doesn't aid them even like in a secret way but a lot of people online were speculating that this actor was playing Martian Manhunter because there was a shot of him in Batman vs Superman that got cut out where he's wearing green boots, but like like for CG purposes. People were like, "Huh, oh, that's funny. That's weird." And I feel like, you know, I know that they've said since, "Oh yeah, it was always intended he was supposed to be Martian Manhunter." I feel like that maybe wasn't the case. Maybe you may look maybe down the line, maybe Justice League two or three or something. Sure, maybe maybe but i really feel like they were just doing this actor a solid after he had all that online fanfare where he could be martian manhunter and that's the result of it is you have like an inconsequential scene to put a pin in the end of the movie where again do you think this was kind of like the we we live in a society thing where it didn't happen in the movie yeah 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 that i mean i'm surprised to learn that was jared leto's uh, insisting to throw that in. That means he's online. That means he's browsing the internet in, in secret. It's kind of creepy, you know? You don't you don't think. But I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, before we even talk about that, like the nightmare sequence, um, I, I you know, something I also noticed during both viewings of Justice League 2017-2021 is Ben Affleck's body and face change maybe about four times throughout these two movies. He goes from yeah. bloated to like very peachy looking to kind of fat, kinda but tan. not really. Yeah. He's yeah. kind of tan. He's got a little bit more gray in his hair, fake gray, yeah. real gray. He's got a little bit of, he's, he's like eight different men between these two features. And it's very distracting. Um, yeah. So, and he's also really skinny in that, in that epilogue. He's very like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he looks like modern looks- tired post rehab Ben Affleck. It's a really bad nightmare. He just sweated all of his weight off <laughs> because of the Joker in front of him. Uh, yeah, I, th- th- that might have been the, one of the things that it did feel like, oh, here's the reshoot, you know, where you could tell, oh, here, here's a reshoot, all right. Whenever he would show up and he'd look completely different than the rest of the movie. I'm, I'm really but curious just... to know what was reshot last year because it seems like everything, I mean, everything seems similar enough where I didn't notice any real like discernible physical differences between the actors from one scene to another where you can definitely tell in the Joss Whedon cut what's implemented in after because also the green screen looks more specifically in the uh when Bruce goes and meets with Arthur um early in the film when he's trying to recruit Aquaman it looks one way at the start and then it transitions into something else where he looks 
a little rounder faced and also the the backgrounds are clearly artificial um and he also has that that quippy oh so clever line oh i hear you talk to fish that's great stuff jaws thank you for, <laughs> that really made me feel like a kid again you know god i if there was one person that could be murdered tonight um <laughs> Anyway, but this yeah, this this Justice League. Let's let's we gotta get back to we're complaining a lot about the Joss Whedon one. That's my fault on this on this turn. But uh, why don't we get back to I mean, the current one? You can't not compare them though, because sure. we had that for what four years. That's all you had. Four years of you know they tried and this is what we got. So I don't know if they're gonna try ever again until you know a new generation comes out or whatever because of how much they fucked it up. So it's difficult not to compare the two, uh, especially when everything was improved in in, in the new one. W what do you think of that nightmare sequence? Also, hold on. I wanted to address something oh. you you said before, okay. which is that you can't recommend this movie to anybody based on the runtime and also the story. No, yeah. not every anybody. Everybody, I mean. Oh. So like it's a very specific. Not, maybe not very specific, but I don't think. Yeah, you can just walk up to anyone and be like, "Hey, watch my superhero my, movie with four hours." Ben Hur. Epic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's a very fair criticism. At the same time, this weirdly feels like the most accessible of the DC films that, in like the, the most, I would say like batting an average quality. Because Aquaman's not good in my opinion. I thought that movie was terrible. Uh, Wonder Woman eighty four. We obviously made fun of that over several episodes. Uh, the mm -hmm. first Wonder Woman movie is kind of a dud, kind of boring. I like the yeah. costume design of it, and I like um, some of the sets. But aside from that, I don't know if it's worth much. And then Batman v Superman, I, I really like that one. I don't know if it's as tonally consistent as this movie. Um, so I, I don't know. So also, in, Man of Steel. Man of Steel is kind of – it's not very accessible either if you're not – No, a it's not, especially for a Superman very movie. Very bleak, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. So this one does feel the most – like wait you... wait wait shazam what about shazam that one's very oh, accessible movie. I... <laughs> I actually i'll tell you what i like that director as a person from youtube or whatever watching his videos he's actually fairly he's not like a scott derrickson type even though he right. kind of is a scott derrickson type you know but he's he's one of the more he's... tolerable he yeah well he, he at least does shit himself like he showed he he was doing tutorial videos on how he did like ghost effects for whatever horror movie he did in photoshop I was like, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. That's I like that he's his hands. Even if I don't like his movies, I like that he's hands on with everything. And um, oh, this guy, right? Yeah, yeah that guy, right. Samberg. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Shazam again. Shazam's just a bad remake of Big, but in the DC universe. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that this is four hours because of the implication for future films. Because everything has, I mean, to, to this point, all like the major tent poles have been like, all right, you got to do two and a half hours if it's a superhero film. That that feel that would I feel like that would be to the viewer too long, uh, or or feel like too long as opposed to four hours for some reason. Does that make sense at all? Uh, I think the i uh decision of use chap using chapters was very wise on his part because since we're looking at segments that are half an hour 40 minutes it doesn't feel like it's dragging right so when i was watching it uh, i was what like an hour and a half in 
and it didn't feel like I was an hour and a half in because it felt like I was watching 30 minutes, 40 minute episodes of the thing. So if I had paused it in between, fine, because the rest is waiting for me. So even though he didn't release them as episodes, using that for a movie that was that long was very clever, I think. It made it not so difficult to digest because, you know, you just it say changes four the perception. hours. Yeah. Yeah, and you it, say four hours, and immediately it's like, ah, do I really like? It feels like a long time. Like, do you really want to do that? But if it's separated like that, um, nothing felt like it dragged for too long for that reason. So everything had like its own purpose, beginning end, and then move on to the next thing. Right. Uh, so it didn't really bother me, I, 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 even though I did, you know, didn't watch it. I, I did pause it at times. Uh, it wasn't because I was bored, or it wasn't because I thought it was long. Uh, I just, you know, was busy with other things, but that was a, a really great decision when it comes to, you know, the the very um, intimidated length that this, yeah, this movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I I love um, that this kind of offers an opportunity to change the form a little bit, um, because you you know you don't see four hour movies ever. You see Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind is three hours forty one minutes, something like that. And uh, you have a lot of epics from the early 20th century that go that length, and it would be an entire day, and you'd have to go and sit and wait for the intermission. Um, and with the chapter format, you kind of have like six or seven intermissions where you can just pause and go take a piss or grab something to eat. So I, I agree. I think that's a, a wise choice for the, for the streaming of this movie. Uh, for the theatrical release that's supposed yeah. to happen, I don't, I don't know how that would go. I really don't. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm probably not going to do that now after I've watched it twice back to back in two days. I liked it. I don't like. I don't know if I like it that much. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, just to say, I do feel like to what I was getting at before. If you're a superhero film, if you're a big blockbuster film, you're aiming for two and a half hours for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Algorithm says two and a half hours is about right. Um, so for something to go beyond that. I, again, well, I think the, I think anything that just shakes up the, the 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 current idea of what a film has to be or what's the right idea for a film is going to be a good thing creatively. That's really all. I'm that's saying. for the team ups, though, right? Because I, I think like every other movie that's been just one character, it's ninety minutes, maybe two hours max. Maybe the, I, the I, ones I don't know. that are the longest ones are the Avengers ones. I think. I think Wonder Woman eighty four was two and a half hours. Oh fuck, that's true. Oh, and that that felt like a slog. <laughs> that felt like it went yeah. on forever. So yeah, something like this again. I would rather one nice big blocky four hour movie than several films which just repeat the same formula over and over again. So we get acquainted with these people. At home, though, sure. That's the thing. Maybe I don't know. I can't. I can't speak yeah. to the theatrical experience. I sat for in Wolf of Wall Street for three hours, almost exactly. And that flew by. That was fine. So I don't know. I don't know what the what the viewing experience of something this big would be in the theater. I guess my fear is that because you know how Hollywood does whenever something works and they just try to fit everything else into that same model and force it. My fear is that I don't want to see a four-hour Aquaman movie. <laughs> I don't want to see the four-hour Riddler movie. Uh, I think it works in something like this because it was so big and because you had to introduce the characters and let them breathe. Uh, and it was um, not 
what the MCU did with their own movie. So the the way of introducing them was much different. So you had to give them like their own little episode for you to give a shit, uh, as opposed to you know them having their own movie. But I I, I think that this one worked. The four hours worked for this one for that reason. Uh, also because you know everyone was expecting it. So. Yeah, I don't think the excitement that this movie had is going to carry on for everything else, especially if they release a dud uh, in between there. I, I don't know. I, I know that their their plan is to, of course, release the next one. And I already looked at fucking Chris Terrio, who should be replaced, by the way. That's that, that's one of the things that I wanted to complain about Zack Snyder. I think the guy that's writing his dialogue should be fired and he should hire someone that has interacted with other people. Because this guy cannot write dialogue by what we've seen in his movies, so he should get someone to help him with that. Yeah. And that would, you know, it doesn't have to be anything deep. It doesn't have to be just something that feels natural, that is not overly cheesy just for the sake of it. Uh, but uh, something like this, like a team up, I can see you working for, for four hours, something epic. I just hope that it doesn't become the norm where now we're going to be watching, you know, uh, Ant-Man and, and the Wasp 3, and it's a three-hour about them I'm... going up the shower or something, you yeah, know? Yeah, no. Um... It's the second one, but you know what I mean? Like, that's the yeah. norm now, so we're going to see Howard the Duck, and it's a four-hour <laughs> epic <laughs> going from egg to, you know, death. Uh, that, would be, that sounds <laughs> that's great. That sounds wonderful, actually. Egg to death. Um you know, I, I don't think so. I think the the main reason why I like the four hour thing, aside from again just shaking things up a little bit, is it's so antithetical to this type of movie, because who wants to sit for four hours and do that? And and the fact that he treats it like an art piece, even though it's a yeah. bunch of superheroes and it should be like Suicide Squad, it should be Trailer Park editing the uh, the movie with what like uh, can't touch this on the soundtrack or something you know look you do it's get some far away from <laughs> you get you get some you get some interesting picks yeah. in there it does feel like a 90s music video at times with yeah. the slow motion he loves the slow motion for this he was really trying to stretch out that runtime to hit four hours exactly um so that, i i mean it's snack snyderism that really bothers me uh don't just don't use vocals if you're going to play like a a rocking tune from the 90s fine but have the music playing without a guy using his new metal voice in the middle of the movie <laughs> completely out of place he takes me out of it because i feel like i'm watching i don't know some millennium or you know one of those shows yeah. from the early 2000s yeah, where yeah, just yeah. throw a song in there that doesn't make sense uh, but i know that that's like a cold thing that case on CBS. Yeah. Like yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like it's fucking Nickelback B-side. What the fuck? Uh, so uh, it feels like that. And I know that's something he does. So fine, but I wish he didn't. <laughs> I wish they, like, no words. Because you start focusing on the words, and the words kind of fit the story. So it makes it way cheesier than it should be, you know? Like, mm. let me feel the thing without you spelling it out for me with Chad Kroger singing, you know? Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Man of Steel has that one sequence where I think it might be Chris Cornell. It might be somebody else. That song Seasons where he's just running through like somebody's backyard and stealing clothes. And it feels so. And that's the only song with lyrics in that movie. And it feels kind of it feels like in Inglorious Bastards when you hear David Bowie chime in with cat yeah. people after you have, you know, a bunch of older music. Uh, it, it doesn't really. Uh, 
I don't know. It's not my favorite thing in the world. I don't I don't have like an extreme hatred towards it. He didn't go with he didn't go with anything excessively cringe in this one, like compared to Watchmen with Hallelujah, which is the most uncomfortable. And I love Watchmen. That's one of my favorite (laughs) uh, comic book properties. But that scene is was painful the first time, even when you didn't know what to expect. I'm in the theater and I'm like sweating nervously. Like, I'm sorry I brought you to this movie. Um, that was tough. That, that's tough all the yeah. time. Anytime you play that movie, it's like, let's just, we got to skip through this scene. Yeah. Um, really too, too earnest, way too earnest. And it ends with hallelujah here, but a different rendition, not a very good rendition. I'll say that woman's voice is putrid. Um, anyway, so let's talk about the nightmare sequence. Nightmare. Yeah. Oh boy. Bat- ben Affleck, Batman in a coat. What's the purpose of the coat? If you're wearing 40 pounds of rubber on your chest, I don't know. I don't know. It looks cool, I guess. Yeah. It looks like when the Ninja Turtles were disguising themselves in the city. And yeah, they were yeah cool. it does. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then, uh, you know, we see again. So this is kind of like the, the last hurrah of everybody who's not coming back. So Ben Affleck finally gets to have time with the Joker. You got Jared Leto trying to redeem himself. And you got Joe Manganiello, who has mm-hmm. a mohawk for some reason. I, maybe he's working on another movie where he's like a punk rock guy. And he's just like, oh, sorry, this is all I can do. Couldn't give him a wig or, or, or something, you know? Um, just keep his mask on. We don't need to see his face. Just put his fucking mask on. That would be cool. Like uh, the, the epilogue. Mm-hmm. But so And also Amber Heard. Who lied oh, yeah. that 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 tr- awful awful woman who lied about Johnny Depp and was like ah stop beating me. Meanwhile Johnny Depp's standing with like the police in the next room over. What a yeah. sicko! What a sick woman meanwhile, that Amber Heard is. Meanwhile Johnny Depp is cleaning the shit that she just left in her bed. <laughs> <his> bed. <laughs> it's just yeah, getting the maid, getting fucking Panchita again to clean the shit that she left in the bed because she can i that, guess that psychopath and they made him resign <laughs> from that awful harry potter spinoff they're like ah I, look we know you're 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 right but you, you're a guy you gotta go so he's out and then she pops up in this and she has an accent this i don't know if you saw aquaman she doesn't talk with an accent in that movie she talked with like some british or australian accent in this film huh she it's a nightmare you know? Oh yeah, things change. <laughs> Everything changes. He misremember uh, Bruce Wayne misremembered her accent. Of he course. saw that she was blonde, so he was like, "She must have an accent." She well, she pops up at the beginning of the movie too. Does she have an accent then? I don't remember. I think I actually think she does have an accent in that. So this was all shot before they finished Aquaman. Willem Dafoe, what the hell is that wig? I know you were commenting on that. He looks <laughs> awful in this movie. He should yeah. never have long hair. Yeah. Wow. It's Who did you compare him to? Cowardly Lion. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he has like curlies, but like, like he, it's like slick back, but with like curlies on the side. It's really weird. It's really odd. It, seeing such an old guy, I don't want to shit on him because I really like him, but that's, I just, I don't see him as that role at all. Uh, and when the credits were rolling at the beginning and I saw Will in the phone, I was like, what the? Yeah. I don't remember it him in this at all and then he shows up and he's like oh fuck i wish i didn't see him <laughs> you know I, I i don't like him does he have I, I like him a lot as an actor for him to be doing this type of thing does he I have guess. worse hair than jk Sin- simmons um you know hipster like short 
wig on his head. Did you did you notice how he has like yeah that yeah, it's like the little Hitler youth? Yeah. Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That looked awkward I, as hell for a sixty five year old man, seventy year old man to have that. <laughs> I think it's worse because it's wet. He's supposed mm-hmm. to be underwater, so he's just wet. He's right. just like a wet rat. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good look. And I like him a lot, so that was kind of upsetting to see. Um, but to to go back to that nightmare... Well, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh. Speaking of nightmares, uh, 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 I I just have to... Uh, I have to excuse myself oh, no. for just one moment. So if you could talk about your, your favorite Willem Dafoe roles for just literally one minute... While I, uh, I, I am in the next room over, urinating, that would be fantastic. Uh, uh, right. So my favorite Willem Dafoe role is when he played that guy in that movie where he has the short teeth. I don't remember what movie it is, but he's like a burglar and he wears a pantyhose on his head and he has really short teeth. He's very creepy looking. He has very short teeth. I don't think he's, I think he's kind of retarded, uh, but he's a killer or at least looks retarded. As you can, as you can see, I'm, I'm very good at uh, remembering details from, from movies and things I like. Uh, but I just have a very vivid image of him with those very short teeth and wet mouth uh, terrorizing some woman or something. Uh, so even though I can't remember the name of the movie or that role or whatever it is, I think that was the most impactful Willem Dafoe I've ever seen. Um, <clears throat> I like what he's doing with the uh, with uh, what's his name, Paul Schrader, is it? I don't I don't like that you're not here because my memory is shit. Uh, the the last movies that he's making where he's just an old guy living somewhere that has sex with people that are much younger than him, that's kind of cool. Uh, and I always enjoyed him in Boondock Saints. I think he's probably the best part of that first movie where he plays a, a lady, you know, seducing a guy. I don't know if you remember that. In Boondock for, Saints. For Boondock yes. Saints. That's a, yeah, 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 yeah. a classic Boston film. Yep. Yeah. One, of the, one of the most classic Boston films uh, made in Canada. You know, I don't even think they shot any of that in Boston. So, uh that that's a that's that's a great time. That's a good double feature with Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Plenty of action <laughs> in both. So let's talk yeah. about that nightmare sequence, huh? Wait. So hold on. You weren't here, and I know you know this movie because I couldn't remember, and I didn't bother looking for it. What's the Willem Dafoe movie where he plays like a retard, but he's not, but he's like a killer or whatever. He has very short teeth, and he's very creepy looking. Wild uh, at heart. I just watched this that's the other the day. Yes, where he that's he, he has Joss Whedon's teeth in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like a bank it's robber terrible. or something, but he's a psychopath, and he's great in that. That was like his first yeah. or one of his first weirdo roles. You know, he wasn't known for that in 1990 when that movie came out. <clears throat> so, nightmare sequence. Nightmare. This was yeah. all afterthought. This was all shot in 2020, and you know. What I I'll let why don't you start with this one? Um, it felt like what you said that um, hey guys, we might not get a chance to do anything with you, so let's add you in here and let's riff for a couple of minutes so we can add this scene and and have uh, Jared Leto uh, kind of redeem himself a little bit, which I think he does. I I didn't mind him. This, when he starts laughing out loud, that was kind of uh, I didn't like his laugh, but 
I think his performance was good in this. Uh, it worked for what it is. I just don't understand the if it makes any sense for it to even exist. It doesn't. And, and again, it's like they're explaining things to each other that uh, no, it's all exposition again. But yeah. in this case, I feel like it's okay because again, we're, yeah. we're not going to see that ever between these characters. It was alluded to before with the Robin suit, with the ha-ha. And then in Suicide yeah. Squad, you have some really MTV-style editing that implies this and that and doesn't even make sense within the timeline of Joker killed robin 10 years ago and harley quinn was born in 1990 so that makes her a six yeah. so he, what is he what, what's going on here <laughs> he's up to other illegal things what's going yeah. on he's grooming Har- harley quinn who's in but health class but, you, but here's where Zack snyder's artistry if you want to call it that comes in because even though it's such a who gives a shit scene that doesn't really do anything to move the story forward or adds anything other than those characters are on screen together he shot it in a way that was very interesting to look at. Yeah. Where even though by the end of it, everything they say is exposition of something that never happened or might never happen, the way that he used the blurs and the the just the angles that he used and how everything feels... I, I don't know if it feels like a dream, but he he got creative with his camera movement so that added like a whole new layer to this scene that really doesn't do anything to add anything to the story but just is visually so interesting that you're engaged by it and it works somehow yeah i don't i don't see under any circumstance how batman would ever need the joker for any and they don't they don't tell you why he's just there he's part of that group it doesn't really make any sense, but it doesn't need to make sense either. It's also a dream. So what if, I mean, it might not happen. No, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I do think that Jared Leto totally redeems himself here with what limited space he has as that character. It is um, a total 180 from everything that was embarrassing about Suicide Squad. And yeah, he is doing his Jim Carrey impression. He's basically playing the character he played in The Little Things. I don't know if you watched that movie, the Denzel Washington Jared Leto, no. Rami Malek. <clears throat> he, he's just Jim Carrey now. That's his personality. Jared Leto the man, not Joker. He's he's just aping Jim Carrey's voice and cadence and persona. It's very bizarre. Uh, but it works here. I'm glad he doesn't have the tattoos. He's got bloody teeth, I guess. And uh, Batman says, I'm going to well, fucking black... kill you. He says, I'm going to fucking yeah. kill you. Oh, make no mistake, you will fucking die. That's Ben Affleck yeah. saying that to Jared Leto. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I w- it took my breath away. I was like, this is well, it's the only art. It's the only time they curse, right? In the whole movie, no, 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 no. There's a lot of fucks. Cyborg says Fear? fuck. Um, one of the bad guys from the Wonder Woman stopping the foreign people, heist, whatever. Oh. That guy says right. fuck. And then Ben Affleck says, make no mistake, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> I guess he just fell that because he was batman saying it yeah not expecting it just he like, was yeah, definitely thinking in the you. moment he was flexing his muscles thinking i'm batman in his head ben yeah Affleck, the, the man the actor he was so into that even though his fucking nose was skewed like 30 degrees yeah. um we're in a giant yeah i think I'm, but, personally but a lot of it is, is is because what does he say he says you should have saved Robin, right, or something like that. Like he died because of you. He said, "Why would you send a Why would you send a boy to do a man's job?" Right. So he's right. just taking a lot of shit on the chin from this Joker. 
you know, for no reason. You don't. He doesn't even like grab him by the lapels like he classically. He just kind of just goes. It's like what? Batman, do something. Smack him around a little bit. Just punch him in the face. You know? He's roasting you. Yeah. He's getting roasted roasted in front of all these other villains who are also laughing at you and just sitting there angrily. No comebacks. Right. But and I, to what again, you said also, it is I mean, it seemed like he only got two or three angles on Jared Leto, but he really makes the most and also the the four by three framing of this I think works especially well. Mm-hmm. Where you have a lot of lens flare, he holds on him out of focus for several seconds and then brings the hand into focus with the the card and all that it's very well done well, the and, mouth um, too yeah the a, mouth a lot of it, when he was speaking the camera will go out of focus and then at a specific word it would come back in focus so I, I, I don't know if it accomplishes the feeling of a dream but at least it's very visually interesting for you to get invested in it even if it works as a dream or not <clears throat> completely agree. I think that might be my my favorite scene of the entire movie. That that nightmare dream. If we got an entire film of that, I'd be uh, pleased with that. I don't know what the likelihood of that is. It kind of feels like <laughs> it feels to me like Warner Brothers is very reluctant about embracing this as a big event film because of what it would mean and also the trouble that a lot of those Zack Snyder fans have caused and the Ray Fishers, where. They won't even say necessarily what Jeff Johns and Joss Whedon were doing wrong, but they'll say, I know there was racism. I know there was some kind of abuse on... Well, what do you mean by abuse? He cut my scenes. Okay, but what is is happening here? There's an investigation. They shut down the invest... Is it the police? No, it's some guy who works for Warner Brothers. What does this mean? I don't know what I'm supposed to be caring about here. You know, there's a lot of people upset about this and I don't know anything. There's nothing out there. I've looked it up. It's it's what? Joss Whedon was kind of a shitbag on the set? Okay, that's not new to Hollywood. Like, this guy was yeah, not... Yeah, you can't be... This Ray Fisher guy... Can't even be, he was can't not, even be mean in Hollywood anymore. If you're successful, <laughs> yeah. you can't treat people like shit anymore. What the fuck? Why would I want to be successful then if I can't step on other people? Right. Now you can't. Ben Affleck would be pretty... removed from this movie if they knew he was throwing M&Ms at that guy in 1997. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have yeah. a Ray Fisher who has not worked in films previously, right? He was doing stage work, which is a very different thing entirely. And then he gets a taste of Hollywood. He doesn't like it, and he winds up getting blacklisted, right? What he's doing just seems kind of whiny and, and childish. I don't know the extent of what he's talking about. So that's my perception until I actually see anything that matters that can be held in a you know in a court. Um and it just seems it's, like, is is the juice really worth the squeeze with this one? Even if it makes, somehow, it, even if subscriptions go through the roof on Zack Snyder's Justice League, is it going to be worth it if you're having these sycophants uh, bullying you and attacking you and harassing all your people and ma- maybe making things up entirely? Maybe not. They weren't wrong in the case of the film getting co-opted entirely and how they really mistreated Zack when his uh, daughter committed suicide you know that's all dark that's very dark but at the same time you got a company to run and you can't have these people hovering around you pushing you to do the next thing well that's i guess that's the fear that the monster that they create like this sets a precedent of any director that you know people might have liked his movie a little bit or have a special place in their heart for their movie but like our friend uh Oh, fuck, what's his name was trying to do with Fantastic Four 
Um, oh, good old Josh Trank. What's his? Yeah. Well, he came out saying that it sucked or whatever, but didn't he try to? Oh no, uh, David Ayer was David Ayer wanted to do like the suicide. He was squad trying to get that that same gust of wind. He's trying to hop on, uh, you know, the Zack Snyder. Like, yeah. oh yeah, mine was taken away too. Yeah, but you're not a good director. Yeah. Sorry, you're not. No, you're but not then you, good then at you all. look at what he's done since, and you're like, oh, you should not be making anything. <laughs> you should right. not be giving money to hold any camera and, until you redeem yourself. Because holy shit. Uh, but yeah, uh, I completely lost my train of thought. So help me out. You're, you were talking about how <laughs> just, this sets a precedent that, that you can you can abuse corporate oh, yeah, uh, yeah, individuals. Yeah. Well, the the problem with that is that the internet is a it's a it's a place you know where people with anonymity can get away with saying and doing a lot of things without any repercussion. Now, right. something that I've been watching recently is that people are saying or there's a conspiracy about how it was Zack Snyder's fault that his daughter killed themselves or whatever. What? So is it's, this, hold yeah. on, are you giving this as a fake example or a real example? No, 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 a real, like on Twitter, I was seeing that there's people now saying that, you know, it's kind of weird that she killed it, like the timing of her death or whatever. It's just like, you guys just have nothing to do. This is just I was the monster that you the monster that you create when you give them that much power, you know, uh, I I understand that maybe this kind of needed to be done because of the size of the property and what ended up happening with it, where it pretty much derailed the entire franchise, uh, I guess. But I think it sets kind of a dangerous pre uh, precedent of, you know, if you have uh, masses of people asking for something that maybe it's not on the plans of the person that's in charge whose decision is it going to be you know is it going to be what everyone wants and at the end of the day you know when directors try to please everyone but themselves they end up making things that are not accessible for anyone uh so then it's just shit so my fear is that okay so at the end of the day um I know that the directors don't have all the power in the world unless it's Zack Snyder, especially if they're working with a machine like Warner or like Disney. Uh, so that that's already taking some artistry away from them. But then when you have a group of angry fans on top of that, they're going to be putting pressure uh, with the company saying, you know, we're not going to buy your shit or whatever. At the end of the day, is the power or the little power that they give them going to be the director or they're going to just use them as a figurehead to please the fans, you know? Right. I don't know. I, I kind of see it as a as a neutral pivot because th th this exists in other forms. When people start picketing for X person to get fired over tweets or this or that, I mean, we always talk about how that that should not occur. Um, but it's I mean, it's a thing. It's something that happens. It's happened for a while now. This is nothing new. When that TV show Jericho on CBS got canceled like 20 years ago. People mailed peanuts to CBS headquarters as, as some like some form of rebellion against that to uh, protest the cancellation, and it worked. They brought it back for one extra season, and now it's on like the CBS or Paramount Plus app for what, and a lot of other stuff is not. So, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think people are going to mobilize no matter what. Uh, the internet obviously makes that easier. Social media makes that easiest, and. I don't I, I don't I don't see there being an overwhelming negative or positive to come of this. It, I mean, it, it, it'll result in some bad things and some good things and nothing will really change. It'll, it'll be essentially the same level it is now, I think.
Hopefully. don't know. I'm I'm not too worried about Hollywood people being bullied into doing this or that if they shortchange somebody on a set or um, you know co-opt a director's vision. I mean, I obviously this is case by case. It really depends on what the situation is. In this instance, I think it was warranted, but mm-hmm. it's all uh, it's all entertainment. You know, it's all junk. So, well, that's how we see it, though. There's people that are very passionate about this movie in particular and making sure that it gets done. Uh, I know that a lot of them are from like Nigeria and Turkey or whatever. A lot of those accounts because a lot of them are like, you know, my God, Zack Snyder, you know, I'm tweeting for my shack or whatever the fuck. But, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I like that this was made because it did fix uh, all the issues that the movie originally had, and they would definitely be in a much different uh, standing now if this was what was released instead of what we got. Um, I think Joker saved them a little bit from where that was going, I guess, uh, when it comes to DC superheroes, but this completely redeems it. So if there's a track record of things that fans have done if you want to call it that i mean i guess we have a hundred percent so it's a good thing for now i guess we'll see what happens in the future but i i'm <clears throat> i'm I, I was talking to one of my mexican friends earlier today about if it's it worth watching this because you know even though uh they do extend everything and it feels um like a, a, a more enjoyable viewing experience than the, the just Whedon one is it that much different where, you know, if you're not a huge fan, is it really worth to sit four hours and watch it? And he told me that it wasn't because he didn't like it. But I, I don't know. I feel I feel that I like I was. I was happy with what was done. So my feeling of satisfaction when I was done with those four hours was completely different than the anger that I felt when I left the theater and I spent that much money yeah. to watch that piece of shit. So to me, it is worth it. Uh, but uh, I, again, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I don't know if, if the four hours or if it's, but would it be, would it everyone. be without that, that uh, uh, previous installment, if you weren't disappointed in the theater, would it really be that satisfying? I think, does it stand alone as a piece of, piece of work without that being um you know a factor i think so yeah i mm. think that uh it it helps it right now it's very it's very good for it i think that such a failure exists so that you're able to um improve on everything without really having to do that much you know uh or or reinvent the wheel to to come up with anything better so that's good but i also think that if you hadn't seen Justice, the Just Whedon one, and you just watch this, it's it's enjoyable enough where it works by itself. Uh, and uh, I, I'm kind of jealous of the people that are looking at or watching this for the first time without having that in the past, because I, I feel like maybe the judgment that I have with the Flash and the Cyber character that I, I just I just don't think they work in any way. I think that the two actors don't don't work in that in those roles. Uh, Cyber just He's just too whiny for me, and I I can't I can't feel anything for 
this athletic jock that's perfect in sports and he's very smart and very kind with the dorks and like the the little people and then he gets turned into a, a cyborg that can do anything and he's still like very mopey and very like i hate my dad until he dies and then he dad dies and he's like oh wait i care now like that that yeah. thing uh, and and he's acting i just don't think i, I just don't believe it so that i i, really I kind of have a I don't lump them necessarily into the same category because I'm fine with the actor's performance. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. The character, I do have a problem with. That's where I find, you know, that aspect of the movie to be grating. Uh, whereas with The Flash, I think that character would be fine if you had a different actor in there. I think it's entirely yeah. on Ezra Miller. And you see Ezra Miller have more creative freedom with the improv improvisation and the the, the, the weight of that character in the Joss Whedon one, it just makes it worse. It makes it even more insufferable. So he's just an yeah. annoying person. I don't even know how he's, you know, the Flash movie is still full speed ahead after he chokeslammed that one girl in a parking lot <laughs> who's trying to get his autograph. People just like to ignore that. It, it's so it's so rich to me that, uh, what? Yeah. I mean, not that I care about anything going on with Disney or Star Wars, but the whole Gina Carano thing, her getting fired because yeah. what she she put up some like boomer meme about Auschwitz yeah. with, with like mm -hmm. modern Trump supporters. Uh, she gets shit canned. Even Rosario Dawson is is being uh, threatened behind the scenes, and she's not even like a right winger. Meanwhile, you have Amber Heard shitting in Johnny Depp's bed, and Ezra <laughs> cutting Miller choked, cutting his cutting <laughs> cutting his finger off, and Ezra Miller knocking the lights <laughs> out of some girl. Some fangirl. Just... Undertaking choke slapping oh. some girl in Finland or something. Yeah. Where it's okay, I guess. <laughs> but because no one talks about it, yeah. it's just under yeah. the rug. It doesn't exist. Absolutely. Never happened. Didn't have we have we have millions of dollars riding on these two franchises. We can't talk about this. So I, you I, have that. I just think that they, they the the issue with this Flash character is that they, they haven't figured out what they want from it because if you want the character to be this annoying, quirky, quippy guy, then you need to cast someone that can deliver that performance. I don't I think Ezra Miller is a good actor when he's playing uh like a, a, a an emo kid, like a sad boy, like a like a like the this the perks the of being a wallflower, right? That's what you someone oh. Uh, we need to talk uh, about Kevin. Yeah, he's good in those roles. Like he's he's great in that. I believe in that in that character. But when you have him try to be quick and like very quippy and very like he he responds to everything, even when someone might say something, he has to comment on it. Uh, but it doesn't feel natural coming from him. I just don't. You know what it feels like? It feels like it feels like a character on a Nickelodeon sitcom. It feels like right. if you're watching Drake and Josh and they have a wacky manager, you know, then you have yeah. Ezra Miller in there making, you know, cracking jokes. And it sucks. Yeah. It's really bothersome. That, I, that's one of the things that I think the CW show does well. As much as I'm not a fan of it, I watched the first season and it's fine. But that guy, the guy that plays the Flash in, the, in that series, he's a little bit more reserved. And as, as much as he's, uh, uh, he's not... There's not a lot of comedy in it, uh, and he goes through, you know, the the sadness of his mom and dad or whatever, just like every other superhero. But he's a lot more reserved when it comes to his personality, so it works a lot better. Even though, you know, he's the main guy of that, and, and Ezra Miller is not the main character on, on here. But I, I just don't think that they know exactly what they want from from that character because Ezra Miller is not that actor that can give you that. Uh, and it's very evident when 
you have him be a little bit more reserved in Zack Snyder's, but still, like that annoyance is still there every time he opens his mouth. Uh, so that I don't know if I didn't watch the Just Whedon one, if I would feel as strongly as I feel against so, that character. Two things, two things about that yeah. is I think it's most evident when he's acting with Billy Crudup and Billy Crudup's giving a real performance and selling it well as like this father who's that? in prison <laughs> and he's depressed. Yeah. And then you have Ezra Miller still being Ezra Miller and he, he doesn't have the emotional range for that. Which he should, given his experience with, again, you, you talked about it. We need to talk about Kevin, uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, when he was doing these these sad boy films. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could have done that, and yet he is still that that version of himself. And, yeah. it, and it does, I mean, it makes half the scene not work. So mm-hmm. you have that. And also, he he's not going to be good pioneering a, a film on his own as the lead actor. And I think they know that. And I think that's why they're bringing in Michael Keaton's Batman because they need some crotchety foil for him to be teamed up with. Cause he's not a lead. He's not a leading man. No, he's a good, he, he can be, he can be, he's not in this. He can be a good supporting actor, but he's not that guy. And he, and by the time that movie comes out, he's going to be like 35 years old. So what the <laughs> fuck? It's going to be, it's going to be gross seeing this like, Oh, wispy mustache, little uh, you know, quippy guy. No, it's terrible. It's gonna that. be Jay from Jay and Silent Bob, what three or whatever? <laughs> the last one that came out, where it's mm. like it's still Jay, but he's wrinkly now. It's but weird. He's got like a massive <laughs> overbite because he doesn't have real teeth anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Crack. Yeah. Um, and it's not only that he is not a good leader man or can't do that performance because I I don't know, but I just know that that character is not a leading character. So what you've yeah. done with that Flash is not good enough to lead a movie. If it's Ezra Miller or anyone else, what you showed me from that character doesn't make me want to watch a movie where everything is supposed to be reset too, right? Or where you're supposed to be Maybe. introducing other realities or whatever. I, I just don't see him as that main guy. So it makes a lot of sense that now they're bringing, you know, like you said, Michael Keaton to like be his foil so that I guess he's not as annoying as he would be if it was just him. We, well, I, I mean, it's still going to be annoying. That's the thing. You're going to have, you're probably going to get even more of that annoying nature, but it's going to be balanced out because you're going to have the exact opposite. You're going to have the replacement who's, for Ben Affleck. Who's writing that? Uh, well, there is a script that was written by somebody already, I think by the guys who did Game Night and Vacation, the remake. And Andy Muschietti is going to be directing that. He did eight chapters, one and two. <sighs> yeah so i mean and look i i, I don't i don't the, think that i don't think that andy was the problem with it i think the problem with it was gary dauberman so that's that's just i mean that's my the opinion writer on that. the who's writer that? the writer okay. that that's also why i mean uh, dauberman got more control of the script on that second go around because they didn't have the carrie fukunaga template that they used for the first part so you had much more of a mess, more corny lines of dialogue, but then also scenes that felt, I mean, literally ripping off jokes from the Deadpool movies that didn't yeah. tonally mesh with Stephen King at all. So I, I, I don't know. That could go either way. I'm not, I'm not totally, even if I don't like Ezra Miller, I'm not going to be as dismissive of that as I might be whatever Patty Jenkins is going to do next. Well, the writer of the flashpoint movie is the writer for 
Birds of Prey, Bumblebee. Oh no, they swapped out and, the writer. Uh, it's uh, yeah, Hobson, it's Christina, right? Christina Hodson, yeah. Hodson. Oh yeah. man. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I've said this the entire time. Birds of Prey was not that bad. Okay. I, I can't speak to Bumblebee or anything else, but if they're bringing her in, I get the same vibe of we're hiring Tang the Heezy Coates to write Superman. That's my vibe. Well, the other movie she she's written um, is called Unforgettable, and it says a woman sets out to make life a living hell for her ex-husband's new fiance. Is that a Richard Star- Gere movie? Rosario Dawson uh, and Katherine Heigl. It's Catherine from, uh, Heigl? From 2017, yeah. From a little tw- late for her. Catherine Heigl yeah. in 2017? <laughs> I thought you were going to yeah. say 2007. Oh, my God. It looks God. like a Lifetime. It looks like a Lifetime movie. It might be a Lifetime movie now that I look at it. Look at the poster. That's atrocious. That's a Redbox film. Yeah, so that's the person that's going to be in charge of writing the Flash movie, apparently. Um, okay. So... Not a worrying. Uh, That's gonna be great for Michael <laughs> Keaton's Batman. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait till he's delivering all these these very funny feminine lines. Wow, that's gonna be bad. Uh, okay, well, what else can we really say about <laughs> justice? I mean, do you think? Let me ask you this: Do you think that they're gonna go? Okay, this movie was a success. More people are, you know, accepting this as the Justice League and not the 2017 one. Which to this point, I think they even said to Zack Snyder, "This is this is this here. This is not part of what we're doing. Okay, you can do this. It's not going to be, you know, oh, leading the path. Really, we're going to stick okay. with this this one over here because that came out in theaters and that means it's real and yours is fake. So they they're going to be staying with that course. I think. I mean, unless this does gangbusters, and it seems like if you go on Twitter, you're constantly seeing something related to it trending. Could be the word." cut or Snyder or Zach broken up or just just whatever it might be. It seems like a lot of people are talking about this. It's a big event film, the biggest film of the year thus far. Yeah. Do you, do you think they course correct using this or do you think they just kind of brush it under the rug, which they can because we don't know the numbers and they can lie about <laughs> it. They can do whatever they want. I think they should. I don't know if they will, but I think they should just because this is better than anything they've done so far. Um, Right now, if you remove this, uh, it seems aimless, the direction that they're going, because there's going to be a new Batman soon, right? That's not connected to anything either, or not supposed to be connected to anything. Have have you heard the rumors about that Batman movie and all the trouble behind the scenes? No. Uh, Apparently, Robert Pattinson has been just giving everybody a hard time, and uh, like people arrived on the set one day, and he was boning, what's her name, Kravitz, on one of the motorcycles. And she's supposed to be pregnant or something now. It's all very tabloid. Shouldn't be, you know, telling tales out of school about Robert Pattinson. But uh, it seems like he just did not take the movie seriously at all and was giving everybody a hard time. So I'm kind of interested to see how that goes. That's supposed to be a trilogy. I think it's one and done. (laughs) I think they're going to do one movie and then they're just going to do something else. Well, that's the thing. There doesn't seem to be any direction for this. You have... What are the the most recent movies that have came uh, come out? Joker. You have Shazam. You have Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman, and then this new Batman. N- none of them feel like they would belong in the same universe. 
So if your plan is to make this make sense as a join thing, you kind of have to stick with Zack Snyder, I think, because otherwise... But they just signed J.J. Abrams and Ta-Nehisi Coates to do Superman. You're going to get Michael B. Jordan. They're ready to move on. I don't think they... I really think they just want to, like, clamp down on everything. Like, up. Just, just end it. <laughs> they want to end it. They want. I think they want to hold on to Wonder Woman. And I don't even... I'm not even convinced that they want to hold on to Ezra Miller as The Flash. Now, I know that there were some recastings. Originally, Billy Crudup was supposed to be in that, and he's not doing it anymore. And then Kersey Clemens, who plays Iris West in this movie, although she's not named Iris West, she's just kind of a, you know, poor driver, not paying attention because yeah. some dude was trying to get his perfectly sculpted sandwich, which fell. And even though, you know, it fell and hit the floor, it was still just a normal sandwich, completely in place. <clears throat> um, they decided to fire her, and now she's back in. So I, I don't know what they're doing. Um seems like what you're saying is correct, that they don't have any particular idea of where to go from here. I think they want to do more Joker stuff, which is one-off. And that seems easier to manage. That seems to be their forte anyway. That that I don't hate that. I think when Joker came out, we talked about this, and we were fine with the idea of them having, like, like an, an ontological movies, I guess, if you want to call them one way, where the characters are not really connected, and they all have, like, their own little universe where they do the thing, and that's it. That works for me. That I, I like that a lot. I like that because he wouldn't be trying to copy what Marvel is doing, which was a mistake to begin with, I think, uh, especially of how, because of how rushed everything was on the DC side. Um, I think it would be a missed opportunity to not do anything with this moving forward because it has got, garnered so much attention to the Justice League and those characters that, I, I I don't know. It feels like just leaving it there, uh, at least with this Zack Snyder vision. I, I don't know. It feels it feels kind of like it's missing a conclusion. It's a waste. Like it's missing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They, there's so much. They could go so many different places with this, this movie, and I don't think they're going to go anywhere with it. Which is something I I actually weirdly kind of like, is that you have all this opportunity that's right here, and the ending's kind of interesting and cool as to what could come next and i feel like there's we're never going to see what that might be um and it might be better that way it might be because they could blow it it could be stupid it could be yeah. like injustice gods among us that game when they were doing the comic and the spin <laughs> and that got really dumb and then batman's got to go after superman because superman killed joker and he suddenly cares about that yeah yeah, you know, yeah it just doesn't yeah. make sense it could get really silly and right now i think it's in a good spot kind of want to go out on top you know, leave them wanting more. I could see them. Here's what I could see them doing. I could see them giving like Zack Snyder a miniseries for HBO Max or something. I could see them doing that. I don't think with he's like gonna... a minor character or, or I don't know. I, I maybe not. I mean, it seems like they're toying with the idea of doing multiple timelines that don't connect at all. Um, I mean, you have Jared Leto and you just had Joaquin Phoenix a year and a half ago. So yeah. and that I mean, he was he was like a year before that, too. So I don't know. It, I, I think it could. I think they might allow something, but I don't think it's going to be anything important. I think they what they need to do is cancel all of those CW shows and make them proper, and then give that to Zack Snyder and run this shit. You know, bring Maybe. those shows instead of being in the CW, bring them to Disney Plus or whatever, and then just have them helm that. And that way, 
because it seems like he's better at doing things that are longer than when it's condensed into a smaller runtime, right? So if you give them a season of 10 episodes, I'm sure that would be able to do something more interesting than trying to cram it, you know? But wouldn't that just be copying the current Marvel formula where they've literally given up on movies? They know that whatever movies are going to come out are going to be duds because no one wants to see Camille Nanjiani with abs and that that take the place of Captain America or whatever. They know that the real moneymaker is going to be Disney Plus in the series. I completely forgot that they're doing that. That because I, I honestly thought that WandaVision was so forgettable that I got to episode three and I just. But people are talking about that. That was a big. Yeah. That was a big conversation for many weeks, for like a month and a half, two months. So yeah. people are tuning into that, unfortunately. But yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it could be great. It could be great. At the same time, I like Zack Snyder a lot as a filmmaker outside of DC properties, and I'm interested to see what he can just do on his own and he's been working yeah. on these movies for like 10 years since i mean he did 300 he did Watchmen. so unless he's going to do something sucker punch then no we're not going to group that in that's <laughs> sure why don't, we, why don't we throw in the owl movie too just legend legends of the owl what, uh, whatever the hell it was i didn't what see is that. it holy hood or van hood or something <laughs> like that no it's not who <laughs> um the, the... <laughs> Anyway, uh, he's got, well, Netflix is setting him up with a franchise. Are you excited about this Army of the Dead and Army of the Dead Zero or whatever it's called? He shot a pre, like, they were so happy with Army of the Dead that they were like, go ahead, go do your, go do your new movie. Also, months after, which is just a prequel to that. And how they. Army of the Dead. What's that? I didn't see that. Army of the Dead. No, it's not out yet. It's going to come out in like a month or two. This is a Netflix movie. And this oh, is a zombie thing, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. It was a project he's been uh, thinking about doing since maybe even Dawn of the Dead. He had in his in his head, and uh, I remember back in like 2008 or nine, whenever he was interviewed about it, he was like, "Yeah, so there's zombies, but they don't just eat people; they rape women." And that was like that was, that, that, that was the big that was the wow. big selling point Not of the movie. Not expecting that twist at all. <laughs> but how does your dick scare hard if there's no blood flowing? I hey, I, I, mean, I guess no genital, but all right. Yeah, I mean, rig, rigor mortis on, keeps sorry. it nice and stiff, you know. So, yeah. uh, I think they cut that element out. So now it's so. just a zombie <laughs> film. Now it's just yeah. a bunch of people are in Vegas. And they also, you know, what, what else they cut out is Chris D'Elia. Chris D'Elia has been cut. Now it's Tig oh, Nataro. Yeah, freeze-dried oh. lesbian, oh. Tig Nataro. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. How is she better than Chris D'Elia? I guess she didn't do what he did, but she's just as awful, I think. What's as great a... about that is Chris D'Elia never wanted to be a comedian. He always wanted to be a big action star, a big attractive action star. He's yeah. always flexing on his Instagram. And he finally gets the opportunity to do that after playing that Tran in uh, what was it? What was that Netflix movie where he plays one? He played some, some, yeah, some lady in a dress. That's what he played. And then he does this, and he's like, "Finally, I get to hold a gun and be cool in a movie." And then they just fucking, he's they deleted. replace him with a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the children from Akira takes his place. Yeah, yeah. in this movie, and uh, it's I mean, he's 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 got a weird career right now because he's half in and half out. He's got, I mean, they're, they're, you're seeing Twitter, you know, they're saying Chris Lee is being sued for child porn. And then you're thinking like a two-year-old, he's looking at two-year-old pictures and it's like, she was 17 and a half child porn, which listen, yeah. 
lock them up. I say put them in prison forever for that. You know, the England <laughs> pedophile country. That's what I say. But I mean, it's a little like they're really levering the hardest thing against it, like the hardest wording you could actually throw at, at a man. Well, he's a target of the week, right? And also, he was playing with a lot of women at the same time. So women, children. Well, Hans. children. Well, sorry, sorry. So I mean, but you here's know. the thing: you go to his Instagram or something, or his YouTube, and it's like nothing ever happened. But it's yeah. only there. It's only there. Everywhere else, people are like Crystalia, e creepy. Stay away. Haunted house. But you go to Instagram, and it's like, oh, we missed you. And it's thousands Singing of and dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really weird. Really weird. I guess maybe that's the future. Maybe that's the future is Kevin Spacey's making his own movies for, for YouTube. You know? He could. He has enough money, that guy. Yeah. I mean, he's acting in plays <laughs> and whatnot. He, he should just go to Italy or Europe or somewhere. You know? Go acting Polanski's movies. He'll hire you, I'm sure. Yeah, Polanski's still directing. Polanski just had a movie come out. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Yeah. They're they're the, rebooting that's... Jeepers Creepers. I just read about that. Jeepers what? Creepers is getting a reboot. Victor Salva is about to get a huge payday. And he's the worst of them. He's probably the worst Wait. of them. Well, he... So they not only released the third one, like last year, but now they're filling his pockets full of money again because that monster is so great it's really not that it's kind of it's it's like a scarecrow that flies how creepy yeah <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of shitty he look it's just I, I guess, uh, freddy krueger in a as a scarecrow yeah essentially and he in a little bit of parademon i guess um i i don't know i like the first two movies when i was like 10 and 13 years old i especially like the second one the second one was pretty good as a horror film, they're all trapped on the bus. I like that. That's the one I was going to mention. That is that the one with the bus? Yeah, I remember that scene vividly. But, but I, where, but where like, else? I mean, I don't know. That's like, like that's like saying let's reboot. I know we did last summer. You know that type of movie of the time where it's very much of the time and who okay. Same with the Scream reboot that they're doing. Why would anyone get excited about that? I don't understand. They I don't know what it. we're talking about. This, well, but, I, I think I, I think it's somewhat. No, relevant. they're they're doing a sequel for it for like the original movie series with David Arquette and whoever else. They they so, just did that in 2012 or 2011 or whatever, and it flopped. It did like people did yeah. not like Scream Four as much, and nobody like nobody talks about it. Nobody revisited it. When you talk about the Scream movies, everyone just ignores that Scream Four happened, and I thought yeah. that was. Okay, I get. I mean, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't. I don't feel any particular well, way about it. But why do that, especially when Wes Craven's dead? Yeah. Well, they, and they also did that MTV series that again no one watched because it's an MTV horror series. Why right. the fuck would you? And then it became um, a, a BET series in the last season where it was like a full black cast and black killer. Oh, and, did it? Oh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't I, know. Yeah. I, know that. I mean, whatever. It, they they all go to the hood eventually. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or start there, like the leprechaun. But or well, I guess he didn't start. No, there. he ended there. He ended yeah. there too. He got yeah. He got there. Couldn't pay rent. Uh, but um, <laughs> it, it it that's one of those uh, scream for whatever reason people hold in high regard as like a because it's a series. I guess same with Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth. But they're all silly, you know. I don't. I just. Like, I, I, I'll tell you what. I just watched Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, recently for the first time, maybe like fifteen years. And aside from it being uh, 
you know, very flamboyant and, uh, you know, just, just homoerotic in general. A lot of, yeah, we're going to fight and we're going to take our shirts off and pull our pants down while we fight. And then I'm going to run into my BDSM soccer, co- football, co- baseball coach at the local yeah. bar, the local weirdo bar, the biker bar. And he's going to yeah, and me. Then, and then this nightmare is going to kill me and not just me killing myself because I'm closeted and don't want anyone to know. <laughs> right, yeah. And he's like dancing and humping the air and like this girl doesn't understand why he wants nothing. Like it's so, so homoerotic. But yeah. hey, listen, these, I mean, that movie is actually pretty good. I mean, all yeah. the nightmare movies are pretty good, but even like the bad ones are pretty good, which we're so far away from that nowadays. It's unfortunate. I would love to see Freddy Krueger come out one more, come out of the closet and be a real <laughs> gay icon, big representation icon. Um, Can you I wouldn't. You know, the stripes is the LGBT flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it could be a real opportunity. He, got, You know, they, they called him pedophile. He's just a gay man. He succumbed to stereotypes of the time. Yeah. <sighs> could really right. do something with that, you know? Speaking of gay his, people. His, uh, his claws on knife is just long nails. <laughs> he was a drag queen. They got confused. He yeah. was actually a drag queen, and they torched him for it, you know? RuPaul's Freddy Krueger. That could be something. If you pitch that right now, I can't pitch it, you know, because I'm not a, you know, not a I'm person Latinx, of color. Yeah. You're, you're Latinx. Yeah. And hey, it's a big week for Asians. You can really flaunt that Chinese uh, of yourself. Get in the door. Um, Unfortunately, when it comes to that, I think if I try doing that, I would just sound racist because I don't know. <laughs> so it's probably it probably will be worse. You know, me trying to sound more Chinese is just like who's this white passing person making those noises yeah yeah well um i I don't even remember where i was going with that oh i was just watching something also from the 1980s uh perfume nationalist recently covered this movie looking for mr goodbar which is a film i had heard about previously and it was almost impossible to find i wound up finding on somebody's random vimeo account which was a collection of music videos in german uh concerts from the 80s and then they just had this movie at random uh that movie taps into the same kind of vibe as nightmare 2 which uh, also infuses it a little bit with cruising which is like gay people are scary that seemed to be a big vibe in the early 80s gay people you got to be afraid of gay people tom Barringer, who plays barnes in platoon and uh Ellie. he's also in inception to bring it back around to christopher nolan ep of justice league he plays like a crazy closeted gay man in that film and he acts pretty wild pretty out of control if you ask me and like uh like joker and martian manhunter he just shows up at the end and does some bad stuff so that's a good movie looking for mr goodbar homosexuality in the 80s was really a negative to a lot of mainstream culture it seems like well, it was the first time where you could get a disease from fucking, right? And that was a stereotype of if you're gay, you're going to get AIDS. And this AIDS thing is scary. So I guess it's like the new monster, right? Yes. It's the like, monsters. Reboot. It's like, you know, all of those COVID movies that have come out in the past couple of years. Are, well, last year and this year. They're all mm-hmm. so great. All of, Every single one of them have been amazing. Uh, so... So I guess it's the COVID of the 80s. The, the COVID, of the, COVID 80s. of the 80s. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no AIDS in look, looking for Mr. Goodbar. But if you want to see AIDS before AIDS, check out Midnight Cowboy. Dustin Hoffman heavily implied he has AIDS, but they don't say it's AIDS. 
And also, AIDS was not even really a thing at the time, which is weird, yeah. at the time of that movie. So just something happened with the gay immune system in the late 60s, 70s, into the 80s. <laughs> something happened. I don't know. Too many paupers, maybe, on the decline. I don't know. Yeah, don't he's know. just riding a bus for hours, just sleeping. <laughs> just, just sick. Just dripping everywhere throughout the movie, being a real buzzkill. That's a good double feature is Justice League and Midnight Cowboy. John Voight, he should have played somebody in this movie. He should. Superman's dead. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't get Kevin Costner. You get John Voight. Who's, so he is aged 35 years since his death. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I, I meant the... Oh, Russell Crowe? I was going to say Plutonian. That's not what Superman <laughs> is. <laughs> wow. Terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean. I'm just, I'm just trying to drag this out to four hours so it can match the movie. So people can watch along while they listen. This is actually a commentary track. That's what we should do for Civic TV is uh, do a commentary on all uh, all of Justice League. That's what the I four think. hour? The full four-hour cut of uh, Justice League. Patreon exclusive. Patreon exclusive. So I can watch it a third time this week. That would be great. <laughs> Anyway, we got, we got we got about forty five seconds before we hit two hours even, and then I'm gonna I think I'm gonna cut it and just throw this up on YouTube as is. Okay. So uh, I, mean, I don't think we've said anything that needs to be cut. Well, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't think so. Um, no. Would you say what would you give Justice League if you had to rate it out of? Uh, we'll give you a ten scale. So one is obviously terrible. Ten is a masterpiece. Seven, I would say seven. That's pretty high. That's higher than I was expecting. Yeah. You're very, you're you're very critical of these movies. So seven is is pretty good. <clears throat> I am, but I also don't hate them. That's the thing. Like I'm, I I'm very critical, but w with everything I watch. But that doesn't take away from my enjoyment of it. So you can give me something like Street Trash, and I know that it's not a good movie. But my the enjoyment factor for me of that movie is way higher than a lot of good movies. Uh, so even though I might talk a lot of shit about it, uh, I, I still, you know, enjoyed my time and it didn't feel like the four hours. And I, I feel like it did improve everything, even though I do have my issues with it. I think a seven is, is fitting, uh, for what I got from that. What about, what about you? Uh, I would probably give it an eight. So, uh, in that same category, it's one of my more preferable uh, recent DC films and probably comic book films. And I've been, you know, really uh, unamused with anything comic book related for quite some time now, minus maybe Joker and, uh, you know, Batman, but even Batman versus Superman, that was 2016. That doesn't feel like that yeah. long ago. And it is. So uh, this, this was, you know, a great improvement. And even if it is Justice League, I think it's an interesting piece of, art and film history now so it also serves that function as well as just kind of being uh being a novelty in uh in its own regard so yeah i, I would give it an eight it's not perfect i will say for a four-hour movie it, it cruises fairly mm -hmm. well and it doesn't feel as long as some two-hour movies out there or three-hour movies that i've watched and everyone does does their job good enough minus mm -hmm. ezra miller Ezra Miller's the only 
the, the only weak spot. But again, compared to Joss Whedon, and I'm not trying to compare yeah. it to that original because compared to the original, it's night and day. It's not even. It's not even. It's not even close to the same. And you can watch it, and you will see two completely different products. Um, I think it's a very well done movie, and uh, it also redeems a lot of what failed in this DC universe in general, mm-hmm. and also Jared Leto. Jared Leto is no longer terrible Joker because we know he can do a, a pretty good Joker is what I'll say. Is he still the worst one of the four? Yeah, but I can I can is say he, he did not waste his screen time in this movie. Is he going to be in the new Suicide Squad? No, I don't think so. No? I think he's done. Okay. I, th- I think he's done. Okay. I think they might try to do something with Joaquin. They shouldn't. I don't want any sequels no. to that. That's good enough as it no. is on its own. Um, there's no no reason to do that. Maybe no, no, you don't need to. Just how about no well, Joker for is... ten years? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then this is a perfect send off, I think, for him because it, yeah. it raises away the bad taste that Suicide Squad left in your mouth, and it's minor enough where it doesn't really affect anything, but enough of him and enough of a performance where you enjoy it i guess which is more than you can say for anything that he did for suicide squad which was just uh, just uh yeah and we, we we know that's bad yeah he's he's yeah. kind of been on he's got a contract with warner brothers where he just kind of fills in in a little i i feel like he's got the clint eastwood contract where they're like all right you're gonna do 20 movies for us we'll give you x amount of money because he pops up in very minor roles in everything big he was in blade runner he did oh yeah suicide squad he does this movie he's going to be in that gucci movie that's coming out and that's uh mgm but it's owned by warner brothers so they're they're just looking to you know run that that contract out i think and he's he's not i don't know i don't i don't know how i feel about jared leto as an actor in general because sometimes he can be really good recently he just seems he seems like he's going for it a little too hard. He's very Johnny Depp for, to, for me, you know. When he's good, it works, but when he doesn't, it's very evident that he doesn't, you know. When he's not trying, when he's giving you a, a half a performance or whatever, it's very evident. But when when you get an Ed Wood out of him, uh, which has happened, like in what was the movie where he plays a uh, uh, Dollars Buyers Club? He was really good in that. Yeah. Uh, so when you get an Ed Wood, he's capable of doing that, but he's not very consistent, I guess, with, with his performances. So you can get one or the other very easily. Yeah, it seems like as soon as he won the Oscar, he decided, now I'm going to try something new. And then he stuck with that, and it's just not been working out. And now he's Well, he's Harris. a cult leader. He's a right. cult leader now, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I, I do think he, he, he redeemed his Joker with this film. My yeah. favorite part of the movie in general, Ben Affleck um, could have could have had more of him. I think he might be in the Flash movie if it ever comes out. But I, I would say this is a very good send off for him as well, where it was kind of like his like the promise of Ben Affleck as Batman and this like big cool thing never really came to pass, especially for him. Right. I think he took it the hardest. So yeah. <laughs> you, you you have that in this case, and then um, you know. What's his name? Cyborg. He ain't getting cast in anything anymore. So, good job. You 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 starred in your your final movie. There you go. You whined. 
you whine until you got it, but good luck from now on. Yeah. Uh, and it also redeemed Zack Snyder, I think. Yeah. Because not, not, not that the movie made him look bad, because I think that everyone was aware of the fact that they changed a lot of it, so it wasn't his movie at the end of it, but he comes out from this as the, hey, I told you so, guy, you know? Yeah. Hey, I actually had something better than what you guys saw, which was just, uh, you know, if you're a fan of him, you believe him when he said it, and if you're not, then you're just like, this guy's full of shit. Now that he delivered it, I think he's, I mean, obviously he's a name that even if he never released this, he would still be that name that people go see because he's Zack Snyder. But I think releasing something that works as well as this uh, and redeeming himself gives him like a little bit of an extra upper step that he wouldn't have if no one ever saw this. You know? I think it absolutely does. I think this is this changes the conversation around Zack Snyder as a Hollywood entity. Because even though he's got Army of the Dead on Netflix, it seemed like his career, as soon as Justice League dropped, went back to about the same level as right after Dawn of the Dead, which was like, he's a guy who has a lot of creative flair to his style, but do you want to give him a big property? Probably not. If you see Dawn of the Dead, you're like, that's a pretty good horror movie. For a remake of Dawn of the Dead, that's maybe as good as you can get for, for that type of, especially considering all of the remakes of the Romero films that have come out uh, since you know that, um, yeah. But you're 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 not you're not seeing Dawn of the Dead and going. Let's give that guy Superman and Batman. We'll let him adapt Watchmen. You're probably not even thinking that for 300. So yeah, mm. I I think this puts him in the conversation again as somebody who can helm like real properties and not just do uh, streaming films. So I'm interested to see where things develop for Zack Snyder and this version of the DC universe and all that. I mean, we'll get some idea of what the numbers are or what they're going to claim the numbers are within the next 48 hours. I heard word that, you know, the streaming was crashing. That might just be people with bad internet who are very hopeful. Yeah. We don't know. So, yeah, I, I think this is a very good movie, very good superhero movie. As far as a comic book movie in the 21st century goes, top tier, I guess. It's, it's right there under Ninja Turtles 1 or 2 for me, I think. Oh, I'm even wearing the shirt. I don't know if he's. I'm wearing the no, shirt. No, I didn't see that at all. Is that Jeepers oh, Creepers? Oh, oh, oh. Is that Victor Salva? No. Oh. <laughs> yes, this is Victor holding a little thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think it, it works really well, and like you said, it redeems everything that went against him from the original movie, and now he can go back to being a huge. Well, he was still. I, I don't think it affected him that much, and at least the eyes of the people. But he's definitely. Uh, a boost that he will get from this um, just because of, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of negative reviews from it just because it's not perfect, but at least personally, most of it is positive. So I can't imagine this getting worse reviews than the just wouldn't one. So it would definitely be a boost to whatever it is that's coming for his career. Um, uh, actually great. <laughs> on that, on that note, let me just take a look real quick because last I checked, I know I was, uh, ragging on you guys because it was at a hundred percent with like five reviews or something but no this has this has a much higher rating on rotten tomatoes not just in the audience score but in the critical score it's at 75 percent, which is pretty good for a dc comic book movie i mean the original joss whedon one i think was in the 40 range so this is a, a significant improvement that i don't think anybody can really deny anyone who tries to say oh it's the same movie or it's the same level of quality they're mistaken uh, or they're being deceitful they're being manipulative 
So, yeah, again, check it out if you get four hours and, uh, you know, you're into comic book shit. If not, don't waste your time. Just go to go to the bank. Go run some errands. You know, go grocery shopping. Go go be an adult, a functioning adult. Yeah, go watch the Devil's Gambit or whatever the fuck that show is. I don't know. The what? What is this? <laughs> Isn't that the Devil's Gambit? Isn't that the chess TV show with that Queen's Gambit? <laughs> the Queen's Gambit. Yeah, no. At, sure. Yeah. That's a young adult. The model. Devil's Gambit. That sounds better. I, that, that's based on. Gambit. Oh no, that, that's not a young adult novel. That's from the same writer as The Color of Money. Go watch The Color of Money. If you're an adult, if you're a real man, you'll watch The Color of Money with Tom Cruise and Paul Newman, where it's a sequel to The Hustler with Jackie Gleason. Color Gleason's. Purple. Oh. <laughs> Go watch The Color Purple with Whoopi. <laughs> good old a good Whoopi classic. That's what I love. That's what I love with my family, especially around Thanksgiving. We all sit around the fire and we watch a good Whoopi film. Yep. Yeah, Sister Act one, two, and three, and The Help. Was she in The Help? Am no, I just being? No, no, she wasn't. Okay, well, she wasn't at all. Okay. Well, There's nowhere in that film. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's right. That's not. That's not any better or worse than the uh, the gay AIDS tangent that was meaningless to the rest of the podcast that lasted four minutes. Uh, yeah, that, that that's been this episode. Hundred episodes of movies. <laughs> How, how about a hundred more? Hey, yeah, there we go. Uh, so there's been what, like 40 good episodes, which is when I jumped in, right? Yeah. And then other episodes that no one should listen to because why would you? Uh, so from now on, yeah. I mean, not from now on, from like whenever it is I jumped in, I remember. You jumped, uh, you jumped yeah. in, I think, around like 30 episodes in, around season two. This is broken up into seasons. You can binge this, and they all have their own vibe and theme and texture to them. Season one is me, and I'm trying to do an NPR show. And then season two is when we just bring in uh, Hans midway through. And I think we're trying to do like Jackie Brown, and it just turned into a very awful show about Jack, where we had Brandy as the guest. That sucked. That's why she's never been back. Someone recently commented on the It Chapter 2 video and was like, who is this guest? She said like three things that didn't happen in this movie. I was like, yep. That's right. That's why she hasn't been on the show anymore. Terrible. She'll never be back. That's right. That's She's why we don't allow of... women on this show anymore either. Yeah. This is a boys club. Men only. Dude's rock. That's right. Anyway, only. we got, what do we got? We got Kevin Smith coming up. Kevin Smith, Clerks. What? <laughs> we, what? we got a show with Robbie Goodwin coming up in the next couple. Oh, not for the people who don't subscribe to Patreon. No, you're in store for Gotti 1 and 2. And then video. You're drawing. making me watch. You're making me watch old Kevin Smith movies. Or are you gonna make me watch the new ones? That's worse. I haven't Clerks seen three is coming since. I haven't seen anything since Tusk. Well, we're not gonna. I mean, we could do a show on yoga hoses. I don't think that'll be anytime soon. But uh, we got Clerks one and two with Robbie Goodwin sometime for next week. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's oh, e- that's fine. that's easy as far as his filmography. Goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as I don't have to watch like Yoga Hosers or the Silent Bob, the new. I really. Mm, uh, I, no. I I would have to then rewatch that, and that's not something I I would like to do at all. Okay. So all right. uh, yeah, that's been movies for this week. Thank you for.